It's that time of the night We turn on the black light Let the dungeons and the dragons begin It's D&D Fighting with the legends of yore It's D&D Never kissed a lady before Nope Woo! Welcome to the Dubious Consumers Podcast For the week of April 19th I'm Justin Hurd. I'm Daryl. Scott, we do. It's Daryl Van Ostren, by the way. <laughs> oh, you piece of shit. Um, there is no Dave, and there is no Nathan. That's so. my show up, Dave. Decides not to. Well, um, we, we can congratulate Dave. He just got a new job at Best Buy as an assistant manager. Yay. So, I don't know if Dave will be coming back. Yay. Oh, wait. <laughs> He's in spirit. Yeah, and uh, Nathan is out of town, so, um, yeah, I know. Fuckers. Nathan, when you download this podcast, let our soothing voices put you to rest, my friend. Sleep. Sleep. So, um, <laughs> I've, I've got nothing. I really don't. So, um, Daryl, what have you been consuming? Oh, crap. Why don't you guys start with me? It's terrible. <laughs> Always go last, man. Uh, let's see. I watched through the entirety of the Daredevil series in chunks and pieces. The first episode I saw, uh, I was a little blitzed for. Um, so I don't remember that, but I knew I didn't like it. Well, I, I watched the first episode, and I actually I actually ended up liking it for the most part. Like They reused some of the stuff from the Ben Affleck yeah. version, which is fine. I'm sure it's actually a Daredevil ability, like yeah. the listening to the heartbeat to tell whether or not they're yeah. lying. Um but the thing I did like is that at the end of that first episode, I have not seen any more past then, but yeah. um, is that you see a person having hung themselves in their jail cell, cell mm-hmm. and you see one person who has um, blown their brains out, like in the ending montage of it all. It's like, okay, you know what? If they're going this dark with the show, yeah, I can get behind it. Um, I don't think the show's really that dark, though. Well, you know, it's... From what I've heard about it, and I haven't seen the full thing you have, mm-hmm. so you can inform more, is that it does what the Dark Knight, or what Nolan's films never did, which was kind of analyze it from a street level. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you get, like, the broad sweeping, like, here's the head of crime, but how is it effect- actually affecting the streets? Which mm-hmm. Daredevil kind of fills that in. And there was one other one they were um, talking about that would have been like that, but specifically, no- the Nolan verse doesn't deal with that at all. Yeah, no, it, it goes into the street level kind of stuff and how everything spreads out in that universe within Hell's Kitchen. But it, I don't know. I I did like it overall, uh, but I I think Daredevil's kind of crap. I just as, as, as a, a hero or is the sh- the just the show overall the, the show okay. And I I really hate the suit. Well, I, I had to yeah. wait through 13 episodes to see a really shitty suit. Well, they they did a like teaser It's Batman, video. but he's got red paint also. Well, he's they, got elbow pads too. Oh, oh yeah, his, his forehead pads. is also too large. Yeah. It almost looks like he has downs. Yeah. <laughs> like that that's the only thing I could think when they did like that 30 second suit reveal trailer. It was just like, yeah. what the what the fuck were you guys thinking? And like he's got a really fat chin yeah. when in the outfit. Yeah. He, the actor really doesn't, but in the outfit, it looks like he's it trying really hard not to have out. like a triple chin, and so he just has a double chin. 
He looks and like a Ninja Turtle, too, <laughs> before he gets the Daredevil outfit, you know. It, it's not quite like Shaquille O'Neal steel bad helmet, <laughs> but it, it's it's pretty bad. Overall, uh, I'm not enamored with it, but we did enjoy it. We watched it because there's nothing else, and it just popped up in the feed like Daredevil. So we watched it. First episode didn't grab me, but as it went on, I liked it. The characterization is cool. I think Daredevil and his buddy Foggy, yeah, are cool. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is awesome as the Kingpin. He's very what, awesome as Kingpin. What I actually actually <clears throat> loved about the trailer leading into it, yeah, was that they had the Will um the Fisk monologue at the beginning of it, but you're not sure who's talking, mm-hmm. and everything that it's saying sounds like it's something Daredevil would be saying. Yeah, and then they reveal it's Fisk, and you're like, oh shit, they're the you know. The, yeah, the side it, of it, the coin, and that that that's the whole point of this season is that's, that's they're more I'm or less they have the same goal. It's just, just doing it by different different means, means. yeah, and, different ways, and that is so awesome. Yeah, and yeah, and, it, and it plays really well. And those are the things I really like about it. I do not like the character Daredevil in this show. Okay. Do you like it more than Ben Affleck's Daredevil? I like Ben Affleck's suit a lot better. The suit was awesome. Well, um. The director's cut of Daredevil is really, really good. I've not seen that. Oh, you, it, they have. Um, it's more serious. It still has the stupid Electra stuff. Yeah. In there, but the, one of the best scenes in there is that he has to sleep in a sensory deprivation tank, yeah. and he is so bruised and battered after his nights out on the street that he just has to do that to be able to sleep. And as he's lowering himself into the de- sensory deprivation tank, he hears a woman being um, assaulted. Yeah. And he's too exhausted to fight, but the way they represent it is with her being in the same room dying. Mm. Oh. And cool. reaching out to him as he's um, going into the chamber. And it's just like, you know, that's cool. how fucked is this? I've never been a huge Daredevil fan. I kind of like the idea of a character with a flaw. He has a disability, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> One thing I liked about the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck is it shows his kind of like echo. <clears throat> Yeah. The the sound bouncing off and forming shapes kind of senses. Yeah. I wish they did show that in the show. Instead, he's you just kind of standing around. The thing and... They ended up using for the Dark Knight. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, more or less. And and I don't, I do not like that. Oh really? I like what they did in this. They used a really, really shallow depth of field around him to show that he's. You focus on him, and he's focusing <clears throat> on listening, and the sound effects play into it really well. Mm. And it's really well done. I, just the noise throughout the show is wonderful. Even when it's not a main focus, like in the fight scenes, you still catch how... Is it collector levels of awesome? It's pretty good. It, it's well done. Okay. I'll, def- I'll need yeah. to pay attention to that. Um, more because and, that's one of the things like seeing the collector for the first time was just like, hey, this is pretty cool. Wait, it's all about the sound. Yeah. Was, okay. it, um, was it the second or third episode with the boy that he had to he had to go save? I, I'm I'm just spoiling that for a moment. He saves a kid. Was that? Yeah. The, I, I like that he he was you yeah. know using his senses. He could hear all the siren. He could hear all the static noise, but then he heard that kid. Yeah. He's focusing. In the outside, trying to find mm-hmm. exactly what he's listening for, or something to tip him off. What did you oh, think that, about? Well, they they do that at the end oh. of the first, or in in the first episode yeah. oh. with the kid. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what do you think about the fighting? What I like about the fighting is it seems it's kind of more grounded in realism, where he's just kind of wailing on guys sometimes, yeah. and he gets beat up too, which yeah, I like. The, yeah, he gets the crap knocked out of him, and it's awesome <clears throat> as far as like that they do that. I think the choreography in the show sucks. 
some of I like I like the idea. I like what they're going for. I just think it's very poorly executed. The hallway fight scene that everybody's all like, "Oh, it's super awesome. It's kind of yeah. like old boy." Yeah, it's terrible. It's um, slow, which is fine. I I'm cool with a slow fight. They're getting beaten up. Not all fights are really fast, but that fight scene is slow. They jump out of frame into another room to scuffle in there, and you just hear a sound go swack, smash, smash, clatter, and then oh, he comes back out. Uh, guy gets thrown out of the room. He comes walking back out. Rah, I'm gonna fight, and then get knocks into the other room, and then the stuntman comes out and finishes off this part of the fight scene, and then okay, I'm gonna punch out the last guy. He punches him, and then does a tuck and roll into the other room for some reason, and then a few <laughs> seconds later comes walking out like, oh, I'm so tired from beating up all of those guys. Let me take my mask off because it was totally me for all of that. And it 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 was really awful. That that's that <laughs> fight scene really pissed me off, and. The rest of the fight scenes are way better than that one. I think that one's one of the worst in it. Oh, well, um, I, I know you watched a couple of the Every Frame of Painting. Yeah. Did you watch the one on Jackie Chan? Uh, I did. It's been a minute, though. Okay. I, I just watched it. I actually decided to support them on Patreon. Nice. So um, each time they come out, I get an annotated version with his reactions to them. Oh, yeah. Um an educational one that would cut out all the swearing and nudity if there is any, and then download links to both versions. Very cool. Um, but he was talking about how Jackie Chan stuff, because it's not an American studio, he does like 120 takes of stuff trying to get it right. Yeah. And make sure everybody's in focus while they're fighting it, you know. It, it's the best possible outcome. Right. And um, I just read an article, actually, that for some reason somebody posted about the most takes ever done and it's from a Jackie Chan movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard um, about that. Where it's any it's anywhere between 1000 to 2700 takes. And it's for this an older film too. Yeah, it's yeah. from the I think the 80s. Um I yeah. can't remember which one it is, but um Drunken Master. I, no, no, it wasn't Drunken. It was oh. one it's one of the smaller ones cuz it's a it's a shuttlecock scene where they're playing a um game yeah. and he has to kick it across but everything is done in one shot yeah okay and apparently he did at least 25 takes over 40 days dang um 25 yeah 25 takes every day over 40 days trying to get it perfected and finally did yeah so that's one of the things that he can afford but the thing they talked about for it yeah yeah. well one of the things they talked about is that in american movies when you do a punch they cut right before the punch and then immediately go to the reaction. Yeah. Whereas in a Jackie Chan movie, he'll go for the hit and then the cut will be a few frames before he hits, gives you an extra like three frames. Yeah, it'll it'll actually hit and then the next the the cut the next shot will go to three frames before the actual hit. Right, so that so gives you, see you time the hit to, twice more or less. Yeah, so it gives without you more time you to react your eyes don't and looks catch that. It yeah. looks stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, all, the fighting in Daredevil looks weak. Like, okay, almost every I th- I think every fight <clears throat> in there, you can tell you know several times. Like, yeah, he's totally not hitting that guy. <laughs> and which is fine, whatever. Make I your mean, fight you know, scenes really shitty. I don't care. It's an action movie. Do what you will. Me and uh, me, show, me and Christy are cracking up. I kind of pointed this out, and she agreed. He kind of has a calling card. Yeah, and that's where he just punches everyone in the face. Like the last thing he does after he talks to him, <laughs> after he goes all Batman in their face, yelling Sorry. at him, "Do what I say." Okay, I'll do what you say. Punch Gosh. you in the face. <laughs> what the hell? You man? better turn yourself in. You okay. better do what I just said. So, dude, I just said I would. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's kind of like that thing with Batman. Yeah. He he doesn't kill anybody, 
but he will break their spine and make them quadriplegic for the rest of their lives. Yeah. It, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to make it a life horse. You know, ripping on the show and all that, I do really like it. And, and I'm interested to see where it goes in the story. It's a hit. actually pretty good. It's a big hit. Which I'm kind of surprised because you normally hate just about yeah, everything I, superhero. I, yeah, I hate most superhero stuff. But uh, and I, I really do think Vincent D'Onofrio is amazing as Kingpin. He, okay. He's really awesome. You don't see him for like the first three episodes. Oh well, and they're and always the build up to, to it. Him. Yeah, and it's yeah. wonderful, and they play it really well. Okay, because I, I I know I heard his voice. <laughs> I, I I think but. his relationship with uh, his girlfriend is really weak. They don't like they just out of nowhere like super attached to each other, and you, I I did not feel that they really built a connection at all. Okay, do you like? The backstory for the characters where you kind of learn about their past. I thought that was pretty good. I, I do like that. I wanted less of it as this show progressed. Hmm. <clears throat> I do love that at the very beginning of the show with the kid, mm-hmm. his father tells him, don't open your eyes. First thing the kid does, opens his fucking eyes and then starts screaming, I can't see! I can't see! Yeah, I hated the little kid. That, yeah, that's why like, I hated the, the first up, episode. Kid, come on. Lucy didn't do a funny backflip like in the movie, you know. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck my life. <laughs> oh, the dead it, devil and the stick was cool. So, okay. Uh, so what else? Next do you thing, have? Uh, horns. I finally watched that. The Harry Potter guys movie. Yes, I did not realize it was Alexander Aja that directed it until afterwards, and I. Wasn't sure if that made sense or not um, when who, it was who's done. Who's Alexander Roger again? He directed uh, High Tension. Okay. Yeah. Or Hot Tension, whatever. Uh, then after that, he did The Hills Have Eyes, which was awesome. And then he did Mirrors, Piranha, and now Horns. Hmm. And so far, I've liked, I think, everything he's done. Mirrors was pretty weak, but I still kind of liked it. I, I actually, I, I really like the concept of it. Yeah. And I, they executed well, like... That was one of those I didn't think was weak. I thought they actually executed really well with it. Yeah. Um, the ending, eh, yeah, but... The, the, the story itself is just kind of meh. But the effects and everything, oh, yeah. like her ripping her oh, jaw yeah. open was just like... Good stuff. That, okay, that's good, you know. Yeah. Give me something actually to look forward to in a fucking horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, d- I didn't realize until the end of it when his name popped up, and I was kind of surprised by that. It just... It, What's My, the movie about? Okay, yeah, that'd be a good. Sorry. Uh, oh no. Movie's good. about a uh, guy whose uh, girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, uh, has died. Supposedly, he killed her. He's kind of pretty sure that he didn't. He knows he didn't, but in the beginning, you're kind of not entirely sure whether or not he knows he did or or not. It, it, it's kind of interesting, and, and you learned about the entire process. Everybody in the town thinks he he killed her. And everybody hates him, wants him to die. They want to just publicly execute him, but, you know, Uh they can't because that's illegal. And he's freaking out about that. He's an alcoholic. Daniel Radcliffe, huh? Yeah. And he does a really good job. His accent is pretty good. He's believably sort of... Uh, My biggest thing is that you've watched the fucker grow up. Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, James McAvoy in Unwanted doing his American <laughs> accent. Like, hey, dude. Well, let's you, hang you out. can tell in certain parts where he's really, really trying to not sound <laughs> English. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was the same thing in Unwanted. Yeah. It, but he, he does a good job, and I like it. But, anyways, he uh, starts growing horns out of his head, and people start acting really weird towards him and just tell him weird 
things that should be kept to themselves. And nobody can see the horns. Yeah, well, they can see them. They're like, oh, wow, yeah, you've got horns. But, and like his doctor says, it's just like every time I look away from you, I totally forget that they're there. And then I look back at you and it's like, oh, yeah, horns. But they don't think it's weird. Hmm. And then one person in the movie cannot see them, but it's only one person and thinks he's kind of crazy for that. And then, uh, yeah, and they tell them, tell him things like that they want to do. It's like, hey, I'd really like to yell at that mother and her stupid child. Well, if we could fucking go ahead. Okay, go ahead. And so she does in like the most belligerent way possible. Well, Well, um, I mean, there's even stuff like his doctor is trying to perform surgery on him (laughs) to take the horns off. And he passes out, and then when he wakes up, the doctor and the nurse are having sex off in the corner. He's like, like, well, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, well, I asked you if it would be okay, and you said yes. I was under anesthetic. Like, <laughs> Why what? would I say that? Yeah, why would I say that? Um, what the? It's very much like Crossed. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was a lame version of Crossed. Like, yeah. um, the author of the book what is Joe Hill, mm-hmm. which is Stephen King's son. Oh, okay. So the thing I can say positively for Horns is it's better than 99% of Stephen <laughs> King movies. Nice. Speaking of Stephen King, I don't know why, but I was thinking of that movie Needful Things when you were telling me about this. The yeah. whole part of the town flipping out and going crazy. I don't know why I just thought of that. Oh, it's probably similar sort when of. When you were telling yeah. me about that. Is it worth watching? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's very <laughs> much worth watching. It, it's fun. My other thing I was going to mention is until like the scene in the diner, I did not realize that his girlfriend was Juno Temple. Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize it either. I thought it was somebody else, and I was like, well, who's this like attractive, like, cool person? Wait, was and she then, the one that was naked a minute ago? Because I was pretty sure that wasn't. Oh, well, no, I guess, okay, I guess yeah, that was her. Okay. I guess I have seen Killer Joe, so. Um, but I did not recognize her for the first half of the movie, and the moment I realized it was her, like my interest dropped, because I really, for <laughs> some reason, I just really disliked Juno Temple. Huh. I don't know what it is about her. She just rubs me the wrong way. Sorry you feel that way. Yeah, but um, it, it's a really good movie. Um, it does, like, the effects are actually genuinely pretty good when whenever it has them. And yeah. it There's lots it. of religious iconography and symbolism throughout it that mixes pretty well. And it, a lot of it's really blunt and just straightforward. But a lot of it lot is of also it. hidden. You know, yeah. like, um, when he finds the box... You can see kind of behind there, like, hey, there's yeah. there's some devil imagery there. What what's going on there? Yeah, and they do not go into that at all. But in the book, they do. Like, yeah. apparently, there was um, a bunch of satanic stuff, and that they he, they may have performed a ritual that in the morning when they woke up, there was nothing there. Oh, okay. So who knows? I Katie's read the book. I have not. Oh, okay. It's one I do need to read, but I really enjoyed that one. But yeah, it's more or less his uh, journey to figure out who killed his girlfriend. Hmm. So, it's pretty awesome. I I really liked it. Uh, last thing, what was it? Voices. Ah, Justin got me to watch that. Who recommended that? Do you remember? Somebody recommended that to me. I have no idea. Um, I think you said um you said somebody made you watch the trailer. It, yeah. It might have been me. I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> I showed the trailer to Katie. I know that, and she was just sitting there. Like, she was genuinely interested. And then came the part where people started dying in the trailer, and she just kind of looked at me like, what the fuck are you having me watch? Yeah. And that's generally Katie's uh, response to anything weird. 
is just like her face falling, her kind of looking at me like, why are we watching this? <laughs> and then I reached the end of it. And I'm like, isn't it awesome? <laughs> so I got had like this just huge grin on my face during the last half of the trailer. And she just looked at me like, what the f- I am not going to watch this movie. But yeah, it, it, it's about a uh, man that worked Ryan Reynolds. He works in a bathtub factory. <laughs> uh, they they package bathtubs. That, that, that's about the gist I got from that. Yeah, and he's very kind of uh, really happy and kind of special. You recognize that right off the bat, and then he does his normal thing. He goes home. His roommate's talking to him from the other room, and his roommate has some weird accent for some reason. You later find out that that's his cat. Uh, the Scottish cat. Scottish cat, yes. Whoa. Yeah, his cat talks to him. And then his his dog also his... talks to him. Yeah. Hmm. And then he goes to see his therapist, and his therapist asks him if he, you know, hears, you know, disembodied voices, to which he very plainly says, no. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not disembodied. He's not lying. Well, does he see these... Figures. Yeah, the, the, well, the, the, well the cat and dog are real. They're his cat and dog. Oh, okay. So he sees he sees a cat and dog, but he thinks there are people talking to him. No, no he, he, thinks he thinks it's, it's the cat the and dog, cat dog talking, talking to him. Oh, 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 okay. But then sometimes okay. they don't talk to him, even when he's off his meds. They they, <laughs> they don't talk to him, and he's like, oh, hey, good boy. And the dog's just like, <laughs> and it, it's not like a thing. And then later on, just they start talking to him again. It's like, oh yeah, y'all talk and just. And sometimes the the animals actually address the fact that hey. We're talking animals. This isn't normal. He's like, well, yeah, well, well, I know you're not really talking. Is it kind I, of a I black comedy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, one Sounds thing like I, it might be. One thing I do really like about it, um, and Daryl hasn't finished the premise. Yeah. Um, That's okay. The, um, the one thing I really do like about it is that it does show you, like him off his meds and being delusional, how um, how he views the world, and then when he is on his meds what the world really is that he's in which is so depressing and fucked up that immediately he gets rid of the pills and then throws them up like so I, that, I highly recommend he stay off the pills because that world sucks yeah wow. and so you know you get to see what it what he's actually doing in even they even show you shots of when he's off the pills what is happening around him um, that does a really good job of blending the reality, like what he's seen versus what you know is actually happening, and creating tension there. Is this uh, on Netflix to watch? No, I've got the. I actually bought oh. the Blu-ray right after watching it. <laughs> well, it's horns. Horns is on Netflix, right? Yes, yes, okay. it is. They both sound pretty cool. Yeah, vo- voices is really good. Um, I- the the um Ryan Reynolds. So what's what's the rest of the premise, Daryl? I don't even want to go into it. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, he uh. Basically, he is vying for the affection of a English woman that works at, in uh, the office there at the bathtub factory, whatever they works <laughs> at, which is the happiest factory I've ever seen outside of the movie Toys. And they literally <laughs> play a song about happy workers, so I don't know. Katie and I watched Toys today, by the way. That's wonderful. I love that movie. Nathan would like that, end, huh? Yeah. At the end of it, she went, I was like, so Katie, what'd you think? And she turned to Graham and said, hey, Graham, we survived toys. <laughs> <laughs> that movie tripped me out when I saw it as a kid. Oh, I, I still love it so much. Like I, I was I sitting there it. quoting it the entire time. Yeah, and, as you do. Yeah, because it, it's <laughs> fucking amazing. In the words of Barbie, I had a dream house. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Williams, man, that guy. I mean, there is there is 
um, coordinated, um, what are the forklift driving where they're moving product and raising in unison it. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It, and it's amazing. He's just standing there watching him. What was the director again? I remember y'all said, who was it that made oh, toys? I don't, I don't, uh, oh, toys. What oh, oh, wait, you were talking about voices. I was talking about voices, oh, okay, but okay. Barry Levinson did toys. Yeah, okay, Barry Levinson. Toys is awesome. You should go watch <clears> toys if you haven't. Yeah, you should watch it, it every single day. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Anyways, yeah, he uh, ends up eventually uh, getting with this person, and then he accidentally, or on purpose, kills her. And it's the aftermath of that and Ooh. him dealing with his condition that he is aware that he has and isn't entirely aware of what he's doing half the time. Ryan Reynolds, that guy does some... Interesting small stuff sometimes does. Yeah. I, I I can't even think of something I have not liked Ryan Reynolds in. Hmm. I'm, I'm I'm actually trying to think. I haven't seen all of his stuff, but I mean, he generally, you know, he was good as Deadpool before they put a different made you know fucked up the character and then put a made different it not actor. Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, made it not Deadpool and put a different actor to do all the stunts. Even that movie, Waiting. You ever seen that one? Yeah. He's a he's a waiter oh. at a oh, Applebee's yeah, yeah, thing. That one I liked that one. Well, I mean, <laughs> plus it had like, Amy Melanakis. The first time I saw Van Wilder, I actually really disliked it, and yeah. then I've watched it like eight times since. Yeah, and absolutely, you know, that's one of those uh, National Lampoon movies that I actually really like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, I can't remember the horror movie remake he was in. Oh, Amityville. Yeah, Amityville, yeah. I even liked yeah. him in Amityville. Yeah. I love the um, wood chopping scene. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that scene's awesome. It's like, no, you gotta hold it. Yeah, hold the wood. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid's crying, <laughs> as he should be. Yeah, it's, and that's really where I started paying t- attention to Ryan Reynolds as an actor. Yeah, was with Amityville, like going, like, you know, this isn't entirely shitty. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad when everyone started panning him after, like, was it uh, Green Lantern and. Oh, Green uh, Lantern's pretty awful. All, all those movies, and they're, think, they're saying yeah, his career's okay, Green, ruined. Green Lantern and, is an awful movie. I, I do not think that he's good in that at all. I don't, I don't know that it's his fault. It. Yeah, I think it's more the script, but <laughs> I think it's everything in that movie yeah. was just off. It, I, and I think, oh, sorry, I think Jeff Johns is a huge yeah. reason for that, because he wrote, I, I don't know who directed it. I don't know if it was yeah, Jeff I Johns. Remember. I just remember that there was one moment right at the end whenever he throws parallax into the sun yeah where he stops in the way and i was like that's a fucking comic book cover yeah that's the only thing good i could say about that entire fucking movie yeah. i i did like sinestro in the green lantern movie what i was getting at is no, he's barely in it yeah i felt bad for ryan reynolds and everyone's writing him off after his flops after post green lantern but uh i'm really glad that he's doing deadpool he really wanted to do that and they're finally going to let him yeah and i'm i'm glad I'm not a Deadpool fan, really, because honestly, I've never read any Deadpool comics. So, well, they're about to kill him, so that's <sighs> so, just in time. <laughs> oh, that whole Marvel <laughs> retcon rewrite thing—they're starting to. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the yeah. 250th. <sighs> um, well, it's going to be like the 45th episode or 45th comic issue of the current series, but with all of the Deadpool comics added together, it would be the 250th issue. Mm. And at that one, they're going to kill him. And then start up a new series called Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos. Interesting. 
but it's actually like Frankenstein and werewolves and stuff like that or hmm. her howling commandos oh, as boy. opposed to like the yeah i mean they're they're the relaunch is interesting just because they are canceling 33 um series mm-hmm. and then making it into a patchwork planet which has a bunch of different timelines so like tony stark bruce banner and steve rogers are all going to be in 1872 in a western town um and then angela asgard's assassin is going to be in 1602 where she's a witch hunter but they're they're doing interesting stuff like that old man logan's coming back planet hulk is also coming back very cool so there there's at least some cool stuff there Mm. cool well they're doing a fantastic four Thing uh, too. No, Fantastic Four is being canceled. Just completely hasn't been selling very well. Yay! That's that. That's a tragedy for Fantastic Four fans because it's it's classic Marvel. But yeah, don't care about the movie coming out either. It, it's very underwhelming. The trailer. I thought the, actually the biggest surprise for me is that Jamie Bell is playing the thing. Um, he was the cop in um, Filth. Who oh, okay. ends up getting promoted? Yeah. Instead of um, James McAvoy. Yeah. So that actor is going to be playing the thing, which I was like, okay, that that could be interesting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, what have you been consuming, Skyler? Well, um, it's been a pretty interesting past couple of weeks, and in, in, since I haven't been here in a while, I'll just talk about movie trailers. Um, not Terminator Genesis. Thank you. I did see that trailer because I just don't care about the movie, and I wanted to see it anyway. And it it's one of the worst trailers ever because of the spoilers in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say Terminator Salvation is, has been the worst. I haven't seen the new trailer, but... Oh, I'm just talking about trailers in general. Well... For uh, spoilerific trailers, that Terminator one is pretty big. Well, um, do you remember the Salvation one? No. Um, The Salvation one, like... Like I think the intro to the fucking trailer is Christian Bale facing off with Sam Worthington going, I know what you are. You came here to kill me. And if you go back and watch Terminator Salvation, the the entire, like... First third. First third, if not the first half of the movie, is Sam Worthington not knowing what the fuck he is and trying to survive and thinking he's human and then finding out when he meets Christian Bell, hey, I'm well, actually a Terminator. Well, it's not even that deep. He, it's not even he doesn't know what he is. He just doesn't realize that he's a robot. I mean, yeah, he, okay, he, I remember. He, he knows he went into he, the program. Yeah, he knows but, something's up, but, but he, doesn't he doesn't know, know he's, he's a, a t- robot. Right, yeah. I, know, I know that. I know that, but I'm saying he doesn't know he's a Terminator. He doesn't know what his program yeah, is. Trailer's like, oh, no, hey, this guy right here, he's a robot. So I think without the trailer, it would be, at least an interesting movie to that yeah. point, because you don't learn his backstory until the end yeah. of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that point, you know, but you watch the trailer, and it's just like, I was super excited for Salvation. Yeah. But they did the same thing with Terminator 2. Oh, I see. I mean, they, they revealed that Arnold Schwarzenegger's a good guy. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean all the Terminator trailers suck ass. <laughs> I yeah. kind of actually like Terminator Salvation a bit. I, I I like it to the point it. that I remember that it's ripping off of a South Park episode, and I immediately dislike <laughs> it. Oh, oh, awesome I, I know. It's just, is that the one with the Chapper Keeper? Uh, no, Awesomeo. Oh, Awesomeo. Okay. Yeah, basically, Sam Worthington's character is Awesomeo. Oh, I was thinking of the Chapper Keeper where that <laughs> robot comes back from the future to stop Cartman's Chapper. Yes. But Awesomeo. <laughs> I am Bill Cosby. <laughs> 
<laughs> his mom. Remember that part where Normal Carmen's mom. Human. Remember when Carmen's mom takes Bill Cosby, the robot, and she has sex with him, <laughs> and the house blows up, and she's like, "Oh, Bill, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, good right. stuff. Okay, so I've been, consu- I've been consuming. I'll just go in the order. Um, the first trailer I want to talk about real quick is the uh, Mad Max trailer. Yes, I, just, I I went through and watched all of them. I, Man, I, I, that I haven't, movie I haven't watched awesome. the history one yet. Yeah, that one was cool too. By the I, way, I haven't watched. I started to watch it, but I was trying to find the one Daryl and I saw in front of. Um, it follows, mm-hmm. and um, I honestly was not looking forward to the movie until that second trailer came out that has the huge storm that picks yeah. up the vehicle. Like that one made me go, okay. Like the first trailer made me think of Dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it had that right, like ultra violent visual aesthetic going for it that I was yeah. like, okay, I'm interested. I'm I'm interested in that level. Like I think that's the level this is going to be. And then I saw the second one and went, okay, this is going beyond that into a weird hyper violent. I I would say almost comic booky, like just visual, um, whatever. Dude, they're speeding through the desert, having a giant car fight while rocking the fuck out. Right. The, so, uh... so now, now I am actually looking forward to the film. But before, like the first, like two, tr- two, the teaser and then the first full trailer just kind of made me go. Eh. The spectacle of it is overwhelmingly awesome. When I saw it, uh, the the way it looks, it looks really clean, which I actually think is cool. It kind of makes everything just pop out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's very great. The very... cars. The uh, we you know if you ever go back and watch um, Mad Max, <clears throat> the Road Warrior, the go from the first, that's kind of like right at the start of the apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah, and it just seems to get worse and worse as it goes on. And now this it just looks even worse than Thunderdome and desert, desert, and those cars, man. They I heard that the movie is pretty much one big car chase scene, oh, almost yeah. the whole entire movie. Awesome, I can. I can it do certainly that. looks like it. Did you see the scene with the guy on the freaking like gigantic speakers with the guitar shooting flames yeah, out yeah, of it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like they're rocking the <laughs> fuck out. They've got the dude on the drums, and then there's like shit blowing up, and there's just dude just rocking out on the guitar. And I'm actually happy that it's rated R. Yeah, <laughs> I would not want to see it that much if it was PG. Yeah. Like, oh man, awesome, awesome. I I don't even know if my dad yeah, knows I, it's I'm coming out, and my dad's a Mad Max fan. I need to get him to watch it. All right, the second thing I consumed, and I'm going to go ahead and the way the trailers were released, this one came out after the one I want to talk about after this. The Batman Superman trailer leaked. I didn't watch it because I don't want to watch someone's camera record, but they finally released it, and I am kind of underwhelmed by it. Actually, I just don't care. I'm not a Superman fan. I'm not a DC fan. Batman's cool, but the whole thing that I thought was kind of interesting about it is how people are really confused and questioning Superman like he's a god and they don't... But he, well, I mean, and if you watch the end of the last Superman movie where he killed probably millions of people with those... And, and that, I think that's what's... From what I've heard, that's kind of what yeah. the... The rumors have been that's what the plot is, mm. is that, you know, in the last... I guess I should start off. I guess we should say like what our opinions of Man of Steel, a Man of Steel, were. I really hated that movie, Skyler. Um, meh. I actually liked it. Um, but I liked it because I don't like Superman. 
Well, that's good. Yeah, I absolutely just he's one of the most boring superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it he used to not be like and And they made it super exciting by having every scene take place in less than 20 seconds. Well, you know, I I really I I don't look at films like that most of the time. Yeah. My few problems with the film were like, hey, he fights Zod in the middle of the street. Zod gets weakened and then he flies off in a ship and then the two other guys come in and they start fighting. And then as soon as that fight's over, they get in a ship and fly off. It's yep. like repeats of the exact same scene. What I did like about it is that it's obvious that um, he has anger issues, yep. but he's able to not unleash it on humans. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you're trying to do a comic book to a movie, when you do a comic and you have a frame of someone punching or fighting, it just looks like it's an instant thing. Where, And if you hit somebody and they fly across... A well, desert like in Dragon Ball Z, where in this movie, you know, it's CG, but they're hitting, they're flying far. That, that, that's what I'm saying is that's what I like about back, it, oh. is that, um, and I actually heard this on another podcast, that it's essentially a Dragon Ball Z movie. Yeah. If you can accept that, hey, you'll like it a lot. But for me, what I was saying is um, all of the conflicts he gets into early on, he doesn't unleash. He doesn't fight back. You know, you see him as a kid get punched down. His dad comes, offers him a hand up, and you see that he's been gripping the bar. You know, the truck driver pours beer all over him. He just smashes his fucking truck. Um, So whenever he's finally able to unleash his strength, that's whenever he's punching somebody, going across county lines, knocking him through three or four buildings. It's not the same Clark Kent that we grew up with. Um, And I did have a problem with... Actually, I had trouble with the visual continuity between, yeah. you know, the end fight. But the fallout is supposed to be that at the end of that movie, he was just destroying buildings wholesale. He didn't care about it. Whereas the other Clark would have been like, hey, let's go to the like, let's go to the desert. And well, he learned to divert it, but he's already learned to do that. Right. But in um, so the, the what I've heard is basically that Clark Kent or, you know, um. Bruce Wayne actually hears, you know, kind of sees what's going on with Superman. He's been doing it for 20 plus years at this point, And he goes to try and kind of calm down, kind of say, hey, you can't do this. There are human lives at stake. You need to slow your roll. And this... Superman is young and brash and doesn't want to listen. See, to that's him. what I was wondering. Were they going to do another Batman origin story in this, or is it going to kind of they act like it's going right off? He's been established for a while. Is he, that what you're saying? He's um, been established for a while, but they have filmed scenes with his like showing his parents and then getting out of the mask of Zorro and walking down the street. So they probably are going to do a flashback to his parents being killed, but it's going to be to me. It's obvious that he's been doing this for a while. Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll give each one. Pretty much, you know, which one's going to get the most screen time? Batman. You think so? He's listed first. It, it, it seems like his story mm. more than Superman. Superman is not really the villain, but he is kind of. The yeah. trailer made him look like it, though. Yeah, that was well, and, and I love the false god thing, and mm. you know, it yeah. very much looked like an Atlas type of statue. Yeah, 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 it's very much that. Yeah, I like the last shot of it where Superman's floating there and Batman's in that super armor from Dark Knight yeah. and, Returns. And That's I pretty lo- tight. I'm glad what they did with his voice. Yeah. What, what I would have preferred personally is to do, for them to pull off the animated series. Yeah, where the the normal voices, you know, is Batman or Bruce Wayne's normal voice would be this, 
or sorry, Batman's normal voice would be this. And then Bruce Wayne talks and he talks like this. Like, yeah. hey, how much money he's do I need to throw in at this? And, yeah. See, uh, he's a ditz. My favorite yeah. Batman's Dark Knight in the Batman anime series is my all-time favorite Batman of any. Yeah. God, I love that TV show. That was so cool back in the day. But um, <laughs> someone described Batman's voice sounding like um, Jigsaw from the Saw movies. <laughs> the way he sounded. I, I'll have to watch it again. I only watched it once. Yeah. I, I, it, it's it's obvious, you know, modulation. I didn't you know. care in either way for the voice. Just whatever. It's his Batman voice. Did you like it, though, the trailer? Uh, yeah, I, I actually really like the trailer, and I am kind of genuinely excited to see it. I, I'll see I it. I like yeah. the shot of Batman standing on top of a building with a sniper rifle. That was yeah. interesting. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 it looks pretty good. I'm interested to see what it does. I, I liked all of the ideas they were able to present in the trailer, as short as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with, okay, what is everyone's reaction to the Superman? The alien come here to either destroy everything. I mean, he's godlike. What is this being going to change? What what ideas is this going to challenge? And Batman's going, okay, this fucker, I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, and um, have you read The Dark Knight Returns? Yes, I read it a long-ass time ago, though. I, I, I think I college. have a copy upstairs, so if you okay. want to borrow it, borrow it again. Yeah. But, you know, that's one of the... Th- the big thing in The Dark Knight Returns was that Superman had become the basically the fist of the Reagan administration. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's one of the interesting parts in that comic, I remember. And, you know... <laughs> and. I, I am excited that they are doing the fight. Yeah. Like you can, it's probably won't be the same, but there yeah. at least, there's at least enough visual continuity there that it's, you know, Batman has different suits. He's been, as I said, it looks like he's been doing it for a while. I hope that's the direction they're yeah. taking. I can't imagine a 40 year, 40 mid forties guy just starting out being Batman. Well, like, yeah. And like, you see like the Batwing or something fly through blowing yeah, up shit. Yeah. And then you see the, Batmobile running through the streets. It's like I, I'm really curious what all they're the gonna bat do. The bat suit's pretty chunky. Looking yeah, I mean too. he's got a lot of stuff. Yeah, he looks built as fuck in the bat suit. Like it's kind of like a fat bat suit, but it's like bear fat, like stout. Like, yeah, stout yeah. is a fucking keg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, another thing I did like about the trailer is that it does seem like he's going more for the Watchmen. Yeah, like look for it where it's the dark and gritty future sort of thing it does look pretty dark and i've heard people complain about it like man they they're trying to go dark with this even darker than nolan maybe i don't know i don't know i didn't think nolan's batman was dark at all really yeah i do like the dark knight i really do not like batman begins and i really hate uh dark knight rises yeah i didn't like that third one as much it was really awful (laughs) <laughs> you know uh, those honest trailers on YouTube. They did one for Interstellar, and they said, "Like I guess Nolan gets a free pass since he made The Dark Knight, so people yeah, watch yeah. anything." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you see that video I sent you? It's, it's the supercut of Murph. So it's every time I did. It's like eighty-three Murph. Murphs. Murph. Yeah, 80, <laughs> like Murph is mentioned like eighty-three <laughs> times. Come whereas on, is it Tom? So you don't even yeah, remember yeah. his name. Tom, <laughs> Tom, Tom is mentioned nineteen like. times. <laughs> Oh, his son? Yeah. Yeah. What about Tom? It's Who? like, no no wonder he ended up like this. Because he's Batman's little brother. <laughs> so, you know, but it's just, it was... Um, real quick, one thing I did find interesting is that... Um, oh, what what the fuck is that? Um, he was in Black Dahlia. He was the main guy in Black Dahlia. Uh, Josh Hartnett? Josh Hartnett was originally approached to be Batman. 
That would have been wow. cool. I haven't seen that guy in a long time. That would have been cool. Um, he's in Penny Dreadful. He was also in a movie called Bunraku, which I I absolutely love despite how bad it is. Hmm. Um, but he basically said that the reason he turned it down was because he was too, af- you know, he had been on some hits yeah. and was too afraid of being pigeonholed. Yeah. And what he he's taken off for projects to spend more time with his family and do all that stuff. So he basically just said, no, I don't think I'm right for this. And now it's kind of like, shit, I realize I should have been a part of this, you know, because you make these early relationships. Christian Bale ended up starring in all of this, yeah. um, these Nolan films, and they ended up hiring Josh Hartnett's girlfriend for The Prestige. Yeah. I, I guess he was also up for The Prestige at the point. Yeah. And because he said no, he just got dropped from everything. Well, we'll see how Ben Affleck does. You know, Keanu Reeves wasn't the first choice for Neo. Will Smith was. Yeah, and Will Smith said, uh, I can definitely say this, I would have fucked up the Matrix. And that's cool. Because you, <laughs> Big Willie style, I don't... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last trailer I want to talk about is the one people probably know. Um, the Bat, the Dark, the Batman Superman trailer came out, apparently leaked after this one came out, to try and steal its thunder, but I still think people's minds are still being blown, and that's the teaser trailer number two for Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Yet again, <sighs> underwhelming. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, to me, it's my favorite trailer I've seen all year so far. Uh, I'm super stoked, and I never thought I'd be that way about Star Wars again. It feels like 1999 when I saw the first trailer. Well, maybe that was in 98. The first teaser for Episode One. Yeah. And it felt really good to be a Star Wars fan back then before you saw the movie. Yeah. This one, I can tell they're catering. To the old school fans, and then the kids who grew up watching the it's prequels. It's very much replicating the same style and aesthetic. And there's some cool shots in it. The opening scene shows the big Star Destroyer crash in the desert. It's awesome. The Millennium Falcon flying, th- I guess it's a Star Destroyer flying through it, and it's going through kind of like Return of the Jedi when they fly into the Death Star. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Darth, I really like Darth the- Vader's meth helmet. <laughs> no! All those screwed up teeth. Um, I really like that they're having a diverse cast of new people. Yeah, and the, I watched that. My my only complaint with that is that Donald Gleason, um, sorry, Donald Gleason, um, didn't show up in the trailer at all. Mm-hmm. And neither did Andy Circus. True. Yeah. There's some. There's. A, I've watched that trailer like 15 times, and I've watched people watching the trailer. <laughs> you would. <laughs> Um, I watched Matthew McConaughey watching it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched they that did a too. mashup Something of him, his with... interstellar oh, okay. um, thing whenever he's watching the video. Yeah, <laughs> and him just bawling his eyes out while, while oh my god, it's the Star Wars. It, it, I got you. It was okay. It wasn't great, but they did a they did time it great where the um, the Sith or whatever uses yeah. the Force <laughs> and he raises up his hand at the same time. And then he hugs the TV nice. at the end when it shows Han and Chewie. And, yeah, uh, the uh, the at like the minute I think it, one of the minute marks when it says this Christmas and then the music kind of goes into that swell and they show you a whole bunch of different series of clips. It's to whatever me, font they used for that this Christmas, whatever that that looked awful. It reminds me <laughs> of the special really edition Star Wars yeah. thing. It, it's almost to me it's too much awesome for your mind to process if you're that into it. Like just flash, it's like subliminally Star Wars. Ah. But oh man, I I don't care right i'll go see it and i i just hope and pray that it doesn't suck i i stopped liking star wars right after episode one i 
I slugged through all three of them. It. I do. I do think the trailer looks promising. It very much looks like the first three Star Wars movies, and not like the others, which I think they've tried to do a good job of not doing that. It can't be worse than the prequels. I have high hopes that it has to be <laughs> better mean, than the prequels. Did you see Star Trek Into Darkness? Yeah, that that was that second one, right? Yeah, I, I it looked good. I hated this two Star Trek movies. I see. I liked the first one. Yeah, I, I genuinely liked it. I've seen it maybe six, seven times. I genuinely wanted to gouge my eyes out. Yeah, and then I saw the <laughs> second one, and my I've, I've talked about this before, but my biggest problem with it was the first thirty minutes didn't need to happen. Yep, like Kirk losing his commission. Being first, you know, becoming, you know, whatever, and then everybody being killed by him to get his commission back. He could have been there. He would have been in the same room with all the other captains. Yeah. And it would not have changed the story at all. The second movie, uh, what keeps me, that made me not hate it is I like the cast. The cast is cool. It's, It's diverse. There's a lot of different people. That's one thing about the Fast and Furious movies that appeals to me in a way is that it's a diverse cast. In this new Star Wars movie, I really like that they're kind of going with some new people. They're right. putting them in the forefront of the trailers. The, the most pandering they've done now is showing Han and Chewie with right. Chewie, <laughs> Chewie. <laughs> um, well, and Chewy. then I, I guess that's Mark Hamill talking at the beginning. It's dialogue. Yeah, it's him. Dialogue kind of rearranged from Return of the Jedi. I guess that's what everyone's saying. And everyone's coming up with like, is he talking to his son? Who's he talking he to? Talking to someone? Well, I'm wondering if um, Donald Gleason is his son. Monologuing either. I have, that they have not haven't shown because they're doing two more sequels. They're doing spinoff movies. Disney's gonna milk this cow. Oh yeah, I mean, I and and they mentioned that one of the sequels is uh, Rogue Squadron. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, the thing I, like I was gonna say is, swings. I I know you mentioned you like the cast, you like how diverse it is. The person who was originally up for Khan was Benicio del Toro. That could have. I could have dug that. I like. And him. the reason he left was because they wouldn't pay him enough money. What makes that <laughs> interesting? What makes that interesting is he then left and became the collector for the Marvel movies, which Marvel is notorious for not paying their people shit. Yeah. That was, to me, a more riskier role for him, too. It is. Um, and the, the At th- least he'll get paid a few times over the next Right. And he's kind of become now a kind of a cult character that people yeah, well, like. Yeah, and he, he's weird and quirky mm-hmm. and everything. The, the thing is... And he's got a talking the, um, duck. I wanted to go into Star Trek. I was actually really fucking hyped for Star Trek Into Darkness. It actually made me stop watching trailers for a bit mm. because um, the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be another Skyfall or a Dark Knight. Mm. Like the way they have things arranged. The movie I wanted to see is Kirk losing. Like basically um, an early attack from Khan that gets the Enterprise destroyed. Not that Kirk loses his commission or anything <clears throat> like that, but that the Enterprise is destroyed. And then the team decides to, because you see them in the leather outfits and all that stuff, to skirt Federation space trying to hunt down Khan because they've been told not to. And making Khan into this kind of invincible, you know, he can't be stopped, he can't be reasoned with. Now to let's, still... let's have half the movie take place on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, you knew Kirk would get back his ship anyway. It well, you knew that from the first, of, as, yeah. as I said, the first 30 minutes, if they had just cut that out and just made it to where, hey, Kirk, 
you need to go to this meeting would have been the exact same thing. There's, you know, really no difference in it. Yeah. And then the ending, they just swapped characters so that you could have Spock yell Khan. <laughs> and then they solve death in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. The one thing that it has me actually interested in Star Trek three, actually, I can't remember who's directing it now, but the writer is Simon Pegg. He's one of the writers on it, which for me makes me really fucking interested because they're talking about making it um, more about more lighthearted, more about the mission mm. or the, like the five year mission <laughs> rather than being like the world is at stake. They're going to destroy everything. The Federation has now been destroyed twice on Earth. <laughs> I guess know? they destroyed it the first time or the second time. Good enough because you don't see uh, Medea in it, whatever his name was. Tyler Perry. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, the last thing I want to say about the Star Wars trailer is that it's a good teaser trailer. It gives you just enough and doesn't give away. You don't know who's the Sith. I, I hate saying Sith, honestly. You don't know who the dark, bad Jedi yeah. guy is. And I really hope they just kind of ignore the whole midichlorian. I kind of think Disney... They're, I really they're think they're going to... Gonna, take, they're, they're taking they're, it back to the first movie. They're going to pander as much as they can to the family yeah. See, crowd. That's the thing. I really... And I, I just really hope that they release an unaltered Blu-ray version of the original trilogy, they, which they, rumors are saying they might. The rumors have been since Disney bought it, but then they just released the digital collection, which is the... Triple altered ones. I've got a really bitchin' VHS copy of the three. That is um, there's actually I need to I need to get this fan edit and watch it. But there is a guy who took the Blu-ray versions mm -hmm. and then color corrected and redid stuff to make them the original films mm -hmm. um, in HD. Nice. So, I grew up watching recorded versions off yeah. of HBO on tape when I was a kid. I could quote the old ones. I've, I just I've, want those back, crisp and clean. Yeah, I've got the DVD versions, which are the... Those ones that they came out with that they just kind of slapped it on there. It's yeah. kind of a big F you from George Lucas, I think. Yeah. He hates his fans. As he should. It, the, the one thing I hate about the trailer, it says Lucasfilm. And I was like, okay, I don't care anymore about Lucasfilm. Well, he has basically said, like, hey, I had a, a draft for the seventh but, movie. But if you, they threw it out. if you took off the Lucasfilm logo, everybody'd bitch because the Lucasfilm logo wasn't on there at the beginning. Like, the 20th Century Fox logo is on there. And that's going to change everything and just ruin the vibe. I think Fucking Star Wars fanboys. fans really are sick of George Lucas right now. And that's why this is really making old fans kind of stoked. And that's just what I'm yeah. taking. I, it, I, it, I don't know. It really looks like it's fitting the vibe and just the feel of the old movies. Are you going to see it, though? Yes, I will see it. I don't care. Um, but I will and, see it. And my personal thing, just kind of covering those trailers, is... Don't I'm, mention Star Trek. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I am stoked about the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Like, I am legitimately excited for that now that I've seen the trailer. Star yeah. Wars, I just kind of not, not. I'm not as um, apathetic as Daryl is yeah. on this, but I did sit there just kind of go. I'm interested, but I wanted something more. Like I didn't need the shot of, you know, Han and Chewie. Yeah, um, I didn't need that. I didn't need to see what's his face running around without the stormtrooper armor, with the stormtrooper on there. John Boy Boyega. Yeah, I I didn't feel like they added any 
anything to it. I, I've seen him run around a lot. Too. Okay, so that guy's going to run around. They keep saying, why is he always looking scared and sweaty in all the trailers? And- yeah. Well, He's going to play I, dress up like they do in all the movies, which is fine. Okay, so you're I, I saw the that. meme that said, cool. get somebody, get this guy an inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I, as I said, I, I am legitimately interested in Batman v Superman. As am I. Um, Star Wars, I'll see. I'm going to go in with tempered expectations. Part of the problem is is that I love Star Wars Grindhouse so much, yeah. <laughs> and it it changes it in some fundamental ways that don't allow me to look at the movie normally anymore. <laughs> Probably the biggest is that um, Luke in those movies knows that, his, that Leia is his sister, but Leia doesn't know. <laughs> so he makes out with her like four or five times. And whenever yeah. he, um, he he talks to Obi-Wan about it, he's like, why didn't you tell me that she was my sister? He goes, she's only your sister from a certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> and and oh. then at the end of um, the uh, the Future in Motion, Star Wars Grindhouse 2, is, um, sorry, the War of the Stars 2, um, he become, he actually kill goes to the dark side kills both darth vader and the emperor and then you see that lost footage of him assembling his lightsaber Mm. and the emperor walks through the bonfire and you realize that he's his new uh jedi master or sith master which is a really cool idea and was totally where it should have gone but there's so people thinking awesome. Luke might kind of be going to the dark side in these new movies. Well, I don't he, know. he 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 definitely was almost there. In he was tempted. Return. Well, th- there it. was no tempting. He was he was there whenever he was fighting Darth, yeah. and then at the last, they, it was well, just. Then, and that's the whole point in that last fight. I mean, the Emperor kind of won there. Yeah, the Emperor totally won. But <laughs> oh no, Luke is good, and yeah, you know, this is why I'm going to bring up. People need to watch Red Letter Media's critiques on the trilogy those are are a lot of fun and he really explains how there's no grace or finesse in the final fight in return of the jedi yeah he just goes so emotional he starts wailing on him yeah yeah Yeah, it's just that is a lot better than all the choreographed fights that you can find and i really hope they kind of go back to that in these new star wars movies i mean honestly the you know everybody you know if you go back to the original movie um the hilts were so heavy that they were doing it more like samurai swords. Yeah. Where it was a single hit can kill you. Mm-hmm. Which is what it should be with that type of weaponry. Yeah. You know, it's there's the whole th- um, like family guy thing or whatever where Luke gets his lightsaber, presses it, and then immediately cuts off his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but what happened between the first and the second ones is that the filming, the stunt models got super light. So then they were suddenly like, oh, hey, we can do all these flips. We can do this cool stuff. And I, I actually absolutely love the fight between Luke and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it in Cloud City. That is a great fight. Their first yeah. meetup, their first fight, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's great to see all the choreographed stuff and going like, okay, this is the new generation. You know, this is the new generation of it. And I think they kind of went the median between that and the third movie. But I can't see them... Tone. I can see them toning it down because how Past crazy it was in one through three. It was three. just absurd. Yeah, I mean Ugh. the the thing about Yoda really is that. <laughs> that. I mean the the fights were, you know, nice and pretty, and like him fighting Count Dooku was just like okay, this is cool. But Yoda, Yoda almost. Well, Yoda almost seems like he was above it. Like yep. he should have been badass enough 
to not do that. Yeah. To just basically, I don't need a fucking No, he's saber. a Jedi Master. He can jump and flip around because he's got the Force. I didn't want Yoda to fight, to be honest. Yeah. He, he yeah. Sh- yeah, that, well, he shouldn't I mean, need to. Even if he does fight, he has he's so powerful in the Force that he does he can use the Force to stop fight stuff. for him. Though. Yeah, not need a fucking lightsaber to do it. Yeah. You ever watch a movie and the more and more you see it, every time, it makes you hate it more and more. Like it just builds I, I, up. Your hatred just builds and builds from watching a movie. I'm it's trying to remember what's what's the, the, mo- what's the, the movie that I hate so much. Um, um, I'm trying to think. It's it's Nolan. Uh, Inter- Inception. Inception. Inception's that movie for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that every single time I watch it, I'm just like, okay, this could be improved. This could be improved. This can be improved. I'm gonna. I started a fan edit on it, but my my the audio wasn't syncing. And then I watched the Fridge Logic on yeah, it, I'm and sorry. I went, fuck, I can't. This movie is so fucking broken that I can't even fix it anymore. <laughs> I realize how broken it. I haven't watched it since. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. I might actually have You've to sell cured. that fucking movie. So, um, so just trailers. Oh, I, I saw the Ant Man trailer and I actually liked it. The new one. Okay. The new. There's a scene at the very end where it's all epic fighting. Yeah. In the train, it's a. Well, Thomas the Tank engine trains coming towards Ant-Man oh, yeah. <laughs> or it hits the bad guy and it just cuts to it like falling over that was awesome yeah I, I, I love I love how tense that feels just like oh the train it's it's Thomas the train but it's just like it's a train it's about to run him over yeah. oh fuck that, that, that makes amazing. me think they left something that Simon Pegg did in there I Edgar don't know right. Edgar Wright my bad it's okay. it just feels like something that maybe they left it in there for him I don't know yeah, I mean, at this look, point, that's water under the bridge. As all. I haven't seen it yet. I don't like Paul Rudd, but whatever. Oh, I love Paul Rudd. Yeah, he makes he would. yeah he makes my fangirl heart go just go pitter patter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop stroking it, Justin. Hey, this so is trailer, trailer, trailer. That's all I've been consuming, Justin. Okay, well, um, I finished watching The Jinx. Are you guys familiar with it? Only from what Nathan said. Okay, um, The Jinx is about Robert Durst. He's a um, basically kind of U.S. tycoon. His family owns the building the New York Times is in Um, and several other huge things. Oh, is this about, is this that true story about that guy who, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember Nathan talking about that. Yeah, Ryan Gosling um, played him in a movie called All Good Things. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, honestly, I've seen All Good Things. I don't remember shit about it. Like, it's one of those movies that just kind of, I think it's one of the few I just, I Katie and I rewatched the trailer after I started watching the Jinx and went, I know we. And I, Katie doesn't remember watching it, but I was like, I know we've watched this movie, and I just kind of was like, meh. But um, the documentary is interesting because um, essentially what happened is that all good things came out, and Robert Durst got a hold of the producer, who then got you know got him Andrew um, the director's Andrew Jarecki got him his phone number and they started talking and Robert Durst basically said, well, you seem to know the most about Robert Durst. So I'll interview with you for once. And crazy, man. yeah. And so it's them sitting down, going through his family, you know, his mother killed herself when he was like nine and he was standing at the window whenever it happened and, you know, just going through all this stuff. But, what kind of well there's a the whole all good things thing where his wife um disappeared and everybody, everything kind of pointed towards him but yeah. he had an alibi and yeah. you know she's still missing um 
But the big thing was in 2001, he was trying to keep away from media attention. So he rented a house in Galveston under the guise of a mute woman. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. And had been living there for a while. And then um, one day, a kid fishing off the coast finds um, some body parts and um, trash bags. Yeah, and um, ends up finding the police end up finding everything but the head. (laughs) Poor kid. (laughs) And um, essentially, there I can't remember exactly how they traced it to his house, but when they traced it to the house he was renting, there was blood going to the trash bin. They followed through the house upstairs to the to his apartment. And it was like, okay, that's enough probable cause to go in there. And, you know, ended up kind of going through and found out that there was um, drop claws everywhere. Yeah. And lifted up the drop claws, you know, claws, um, peeled up the, the laminate floor and found um, cut marks in the hmm. floor underneath. Yeah. Realized it was a hacksaw, you know, went through all this stuff, ended up finding out the guy's name was Robert Durst and he needed to pick up some eyeglasses. So they went by there, just went, oh, hey, just in case this guy comes in, like two hours later, they get a call on the pager, basically says 911 or, you know, emergency. And Robert Durst had just walked in to pick up the glasses after killing this guy and dismembering him and and everything. And they pick him up and there's the hacksaw in the back of his vehicle. And... So they pick up just this mild-mannered, you know, guy, and they charge him and with the bail of $250,000. And he goes, well, what do I do now? He goes, well, do you have $250,000? Well, not on me. <laughs> Makes a phone call. Next morning, he has $250,000 and just walks out and then disappears. Mm. So it's really interesting just sitting down with this guy and... You know, he's awkward, but maybe didn't do it, and he kind of has an explanation for everything. Um, one of his really good friends ended up dying um, in 2001 right after yeah. um, she told him that, hey, I'm about to be talked to by the investigators. Mm-hmm. But he kind of has an alibi, but has enough time that he could have driven down there. Yeah. Um. What? What's interesting is that before the finale... Um, aired, he got picked up and charged with that woman's murder because of new evidence. What's part of the problem is that as you kind of do with documentary stuff, you don't necessarily put it in order. Okay. So, they had evidence for two years before he was picked up and then this stuff finally airs. Yeah. And the they picked him up for the... Um, Basically, what the evidence ended up being is that um, the police were sent a note, just completely anonymous, that had just had the address or whatever on there. And Beverly, it was in Beverly Hills, I believe, and Beverly was spelled wrong with an extra E. Hmm. And it just had her address and then had the word cadaver in there. All right. And so... Through the course of their investigation, they actually found a letter he had sent her like six months before her death Yeah, that had the same misspelling hmm. in the same block letters. Yeah. And so it was just like, okay, and 
that is probably part of the evidence, but in the circumstantial evidence, it is, but in the last, okay, here's, here's what it is. In one of the episodes early on, maybe the second or the third one, Mm -hmm. he's sitting in a chair and they get done interviewing and walk off the camera still on him. And he's muttering stuff under his breath. And his lawyer comes up to him and says, you're live on mic. They can hear everything you say. Hmm. And he's like, okay. In the last episode, which is supposed to be their final interview with him, or their second yeah. interview with him, might be the final interview with him, they present these to him. Oh, okay. Like, in blown up things and say, well, you know, you can see where we're going. He's like, yeah, it's obvious, but it's, you know, a lot of people could spell it wrong and write them in this way. And they have the two different ones side by side, and he asks them, can you tell us which one you wrote? No. So they finish. He goes to the bathroom while his mic is still live and on him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he starts muttering stuff like, well, now they caught you. <laughs> What'd you do? Of course, I killed them all. And, you know, just basically <laughs> a full confession while you hear him pissing. Yeah. <laughs> and so wow. the the thing is, did that happen before or after? His lawyer came up to him and reminded him that the mic was live. Yeah. Did he have an expectation of privacy? Which they're going to argue he had a li- he had a microphone on. Why would he expect privacy? Yeah. He's in the bathroom, so he expects but, privacy. But it's a live. But does mic. that even count as him confessing to doing that? Either? Right. But they have. But um. And as you mentioned, circumstantial yeah. evidence. They did go to a um. Whatever. An out writing analysis. Yeah, and yeah. then found more. You know, the guy basically said. It could be, but I don't know with this much evidence. So they found like a permit where he did it in full block letters with like 30 different yeah. things. And, and and said, to me, this is the same handwriting based yeah. off this analysis. So who knows? But that was that was definitely part of it. And that's like the ending image of the thing is there, you know, a time lapse of the office at night. But you just hear his him muttering to himself like, well, now, you know, of course they killed them all, you know what did I expect would come from this? Wow. <laughs> you know, so it, it it's interesting. Even it, you know, who knows? You can't always trust documentaries because yeah. they're, they're there to form a narrative. It's kind of like yeah. the podcast serial. Um, there's now a counter podcast. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the state versus the guy who was featured in serial. And it's, um, it started just this week, okay. but it's them presenting, I guess, basically going to be presenting their case of what, why they, the state went against this guy. Yeah. And their thing is to provide accurate, not an, you know, accurate information, not a narrative. Yeah. Which is office often a problem with, you know, documentaries that goes back to Fahrenheit 451 yeah. where, um, who was it that they, the NRA guy, the actor. Charlton Heston? Yeah. that They filmed him walking away. Yeah. And then um, Michael Moore waited till he was gone and then filmed himself screaming, you know, about a little girl or whatever it yeah. was to the empty air, but cut it together so that it looked like Charlton Heston. He was walking Heston. away from him yelling at him. Yes. Yeah. Michael Moore is kind of a hack like that. Yeah, and so that's one of those things just like, how much can you actually... When you set out to make a documentary, you typically have an objective. Right. And what how this one apparently started out was just him getting a phone call from Robert Durst going like, hey, 
let's hang out sometime and I'll, <laughs> I'll do interviews with you and you can record everything and totally. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's see where this goes. But apparently it was going on for two years until they were able to actually get it together. put it together. Nice. Yeah. Um, I totally recommend it. Sweet. You said Ryan Gosling was in that movie, right? Yeah, it was uh, Ryan Gosling, Kirsten Dunst. Mm. Um, what was it called again? All Good Things. All Good Things. I need to watch it again. Apparently, there is a commentary with Andrew Jarecki and Robert Durst. Hmm. So that might actually be worth watching just that. Yeah. Because apparently he gets in, he tries to defend himself and does all this stuff. And <laughs> yeah. Nice. Brian's uh, going to be in the next Blade Runner movie they just announced. Nice. Yeah. They don't know what he's going to be. Someone said. Well, he could be a replicant. He pretty much was in that movie, Driver. <laughs> drive. Yeah. Drive. Yeah. Driver, drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, another so thing. He's a good actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. I absolutely love Ryan Gosling. I, Other than all good things, I can't think of anything that I've just been like, man, fuck him. There's <laughs> Apparently, I just read a thing about uh, The Notebook. Apparently, um, him and Rachel McAdams totally did not get along, and he tried to get her ejected off set. Nice. because he was trying to act against her. And he's like, he took the director to the side and said, could you get somebody else in here? Cause I am getting nothing from this woman. <laughs> so that makes me like him a little bit more. Um, the other thing I've been playing is, or I've been doing is playing Mortal Kombat X. Sweet. Not Mortal Kombat 10 X. Mortal Kombat X. Though it is Mortal Kombat 10. When are they going to make Mortal Kombat K? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that should be the uh, spinoff of this one. Yes. Um, I really like it. Um, the more I've played it, the more I've kind of gotten, you know, <clears throat> you go from playing Mortal Kombat 9 to play, and then playing Injustice and then go to X, and it does feel slower. Yeah. But I've started to get used to the controls. Like, it took me a long time to actually get into them. Yeah. Um, I've just beat the story mode. Which took maybe six or seven hours. I was gonna say like four or five. It, yeah, it might have been. I, yeah. I broke it up between a couple of days, so I have no concept of how long it took uh, me. Yeah, I, I I played straight through it. Okay, so it was like four or five, maybe. Uh, the weirdest thing for me was Scorpion. Yeah. Whenever, whenever they moved over Scorpion, this guy who you've been playing with the entire, you know, you've been seeing through the entire story, and then they're like, "Oh, this is the living form of Scorpion." Like, who's this dude? Why does he look like Scorpion? Oh, that's supposed to be Scorpion? That's not Scorpion. And then he's Scorpion, and no. then he... Everything else he has going for him doesn't say Scorpion, except whenever you use the spear move, yeah. and he still has the get over here with the voice modulation and everything. Scorpion never had a in face. There, yeah. Yeah, he's got a normal face, you know. Mm. You don't realize it until that point and because they call it scorpion and everybody calls him scorpion but he's like no my that's not my fucking name yeah <laughs> fix it um yeah it's weird <laughs> but um you have a couple of the characters kids um yeah they're supposed to be like the new batch <laughs> yeah cuz um there's Cassie Cage Cassie Cage um, whatever Briggs Ta there's Tanada there's a uh, Jackie Briggs and then um, Jin Kyung or whatever his name is, or yeah. Kung Kung Jin. Kung Jin. Yeah. So who are all, whose kids are all these? Uh, Kung Lao son is Kung Jin. No, his cousin. His cousin. He's his cousin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I and, a, and apparently he's gay. Oh, okay. There's a there's a point where Raiden makes a comment about you know they can't 
they shouldn't judge you for who your heart desires or something like that. Man, I must have been asleep during that part. Yeah, and Kung Lao's his cousin. Um, Jackie Briggs is Jax's daughter. Yeah. Um, Cassie Cage is Sonya and Johnny Cage's kid, Sonya Blade. Mm-hmm. But apparently by the time that she's 20, they're divorced and Sonya is a huge bitch. Hmm. Yeah. Through the entire thing. And Johnny Cage is consistently Johnny Cage. You know, I think he was actually pretty toned down for the future stuff. Yeah, he was, but he was still, you know, this characteristically is all him. the story part of the game yes. you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all in the story. Um, It takes, basically, I honestly didn't finish Mortal Kombat 9, so some of the stuff just kind of was like, oh. The story uh, mode in that was really stupid. So you got two people going to accomplish a goal, and then they, for some reason, start fighting with each other. Well, I got, I got to. no uh, well, fucking reason. I, uh, I still liked it just because of how absurd it was, and then yeah. actually going like, hey, we actually have a good game for once. Yeah. Um, but I got to Mortal Kombat three, and then my hard drive died, so I lost mm-hmm. all my progress. And the thing that sucks about Mortal Kombat nine is you cannot skip any fucking cutscene. Yep. Mm. And it's like twenty or more hours. It was long. I have no idea. I played it for a while. Yeah. So I, I, I started it up again, but I just really hate to go through all of those fucking cutscenes again. Yeah, it's bad. Um, but. Apparently, a bunch of characters died and had been res- resurrected as uh, re- revenants or zombies. Mm, by and, uh, Quan Chi. By Quan Chi, and they have been diluted into hating, like it's like Sindel, Liu Kang, um, Kung Lao. And Jax. Jax was for for part of the story. Yeah. Um, and this is all 20 years before. And some of them are still fucked up and zombies. Um, Sindel, Smoke. Some people are just fucking killed and you never ever see them again. Yeah, Stryker also. Yeah, Stryker was... Um, Cabal. Cabal. Yeah. Cabal. Yeah. Yep. Cabal was cool. I just yeah. thought that guy looked awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he, he has some parts in this game. You never Mel- Melina has a different kind of... I think the yeah, Baraka Melina, stuff they, is they, different. They changed her face around. It's like she has lips, like a normal mouth, but her cheeks are gone and they're like tusk teeth. What about like Shiva... She's not in it at all. No. Um, Goro's only in it for flashback sequences, but he's a downloadable, playable character. What about the centaur-looking guy? Nope. Mm, yeah, yeah. He's not in it. Yeah, there's only 24 characters. Now, the thing that makes Mortal Kombat X different is that, for some reason, they just decided to gimp all the characters and break them apart into three different fighting styles. Yes. Um, the X-ray moves are all the same. The fatalities are all the same. They just have a handful of moves. Um, it's more than what the move list show or what the like cheap, the quick move list is. There's like probably ten or fifteen different moves that are specific to their form, but you know it makes Sub Zero feel super limited. Yeah. Um, like Sub Zero is consistently one of my favorite characters to play as, um, but one of his move sets allows him to make the clone. Oh, the ice clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one allows him to pull up a giant shield, which then allow if somebody punches it, they get frozen at that point. Um, the last one allows him to make ice weapons, whereas in Mortal Kombat 9, he had all of these abilities for one form. You can now only access them with those certain forms. It's kind of lame. Yes, it is. It's very frustrating in story mode because every once in a while, it'll change yeah. forms. But it won't do it with every character, but... It'll do it between the past and the present. Yeah. Like, in the past... Um, the um, Kenshi's kid 
yeah. will ha- be more about kimchi. Um, <laughs> um, will be more about using blades, mm-hmm. but then when they jump into the future, he is all about whips. So it changes the move set, so you have to relearn their abilities at that point. And then, like when you play a Sub Zero, it ended up being the form that I absolutely hate, yeah. which is the weapon form. Where you only have like I couple. actually liked the weapon form. It just felt limited to me because I'm used to the using out in the... the games. It was cool. Yeah, yeah and I, I like the weapons, and that's what they specifically do with stuff. Is like there's a version of Scorpion that's just ninjutsu. Hmm. So it's him using the weapons, and it's more ninja abilities. But then there's the Hellfire one, or there's one that allows him to bring in um, a. I guess a clone or you yeah. know, kind of a drone, a secondary character to fight with. His teleport sucks now. Oh, see, I I like it. It doesn't do much damage though, yeah. and that's the problem. Um, but like Sub Zero, I use I use the counteracting stuff where yeah. if they hit it, they freeze more than I would use the weapons. Yeah. So it ended up just feeling super limited to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do like a lot of the new characters. Yeah, the new characters are really good. I I'm actually kind of surprised at how powerful some of them are. Yeah. Especially in light of what they've done to the older characters. Yeah. Um, it looked really good. I was in kind of impressed um couple things they are doing is they have this faction wars thing which i don't think you can actually fight in the faction wars right now but it's you add points to it every battle you have there was a thing that popped up on mine that said i could participate in some tournament thing for it but i didn't i I had just finished the story mode and i didn't want to play anymore yeah mine were reddit out but they might be up now that i completed the story mode um then they also have living towers which change there's one that does hourly there's one that does daily and then one that does weekly um which is really cool and then they have other towers where you can do hey test your might test your luck do normal fighting they unfortunately do not have the tower that does the really weird shit yeah like scorpion trying to give sonya a uh, teddy bear and sonya doesn't want the teddy bear i heard those they're going to fight guys talking about the tower thing yeah, it sounds neat. Yeah, yeah. The Different. the the Mortal Kombat nine one was fun just because it had stupid shit, but this one doesn't. It's good. It kind of steps in. It 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 forms the fun. It does the function it needs to, and then I guess the biggest thing to talk about would be um they're microtransactioning the hell out of this game. Like you can pay twenty dollars to unlock everything in the crypt. Yeah. You can pay, there's, um, they have easy finishing moves. You can pay $5 to get 30 of those credits, but they are consumables and there's only a limited amount in the game. No, thank you. Yeah. So, um, I have, that was a corporate thing. I'm sure the creators didn't want to do that, but yeah, they've usually been really good about that. They can't make arcade cabinets for it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, Mortal Kombat was always a, at least in the arcades was a huge moneymaker because, you know quarters and shit um so i mean i'm really enjoying it they've the only thing i don't like that they've done is in in injustice you kept your health at the same level yeah so oh you don't like the regenerating health bar back then i mean it's fine for what it is there's some times that i'm really glad i don't keep my health at the same level yeah but it made things more interesting because you only had a single bar of health. I mean, you had two bars of health, but as soon as one of your bars was depleted, that was you know you were down to one last bar. And Whereas like if your last bar was halfway empty, 
and the guy comes back with a full bar. Right. Yeah. You're kind of, you're at a disadvantage, which is interesting. Um, the only other thing, and it's a small thing for me, but it's, or it's, it's an animation thing. Yeah. I still hate that you can be locked in an animation. It finishes, you punch somebody and they end up standing there for five or six seconds before falling to the ground, laying there for another five seconds, then getting up and then fighting again. Like, if you're at the end of a combo and whatever, it should knock them out, or they should, if they're standing there, just kind of shake their heads and then kind of get back into the fight. It shouldn't need to be a hit. Okay, you're at the end of this animation. Wait for that um, animation to finish. Fall to the ground. Wait for that animation to finish. Step Stand back up just so you can fight again. Yeah. It just, you know, it feels like they need to, with everything else that they've done into, like, frame counting and all this stuff, it really just feels to me like they need to make it so that if it ends the match, but you have one more match to go into, or even at the end of the match, it should just naturally progress into, hey, you got hit, they fall down instantly, and then do this. So, Mm. that's just a small thing for me. Gotcha. Um, That's what I've been consuming. We'll be right back with Nerdatois. Happy, happy, joy, joy, 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 happy, happy, joy, joy. Now we're back for Nerd Um, This week was my topic. It was three films that turned out darker than you originally thought they'd be. So um, Daryl is actually going to be choosing our topic for next week. It will be his first topic. So he gets to go yeah. first. So Daryl, what is your number three? Uh, number three would be the mist. Oh yeah, that, that's a really good one. Like I was went into that movie expecting it to be you know monster movie hmm. more or less. Like I I didn't know anything about the actual writing, but the movie itself. Once you get to the ending, which I hate to spoil it for people, but it's so I mean it, it is a spoiler cast. Spoil so. it! Spoil it! Well, they get through the whole adventure. It's, uh, what's his face? Uh, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane, the Punisher, and his little boy, and the rest of the survivors in the little Jeep. And they finally get to the end there. And they realize that all hope is lost, and they've got a <laughs> revolver, but they've only got enough bullets for, you know, everybody but one person in the truck. And, well, the Punisher decides to uh, end everyone's life but his own, <laughs> including his sons. Yep. And so he kills everyone, and well, okay, he's fucked, so he goes outside the jeep to, you know, have the monsters kill him, and nope, military's here, monsters are going away, the mist is gone. Yeah, We're... the mist just clears, like, right then. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Except dad's... for him just <laughs> on his knees screaming, just, fuck! Me and dad saw that, we were like, whoa. So, here's the thing I love about the mist, Yeah, and it comes from <laughs> Joe is that Joe watched the movie and his first reaction was another Christian woman who is insane. Yeah. That and, character la- actress, that lady plays a lot of insane She does, and I, I, she's one of those that I absolutely hate her as an actress. Me too, just, yeah. just because everything she does, she's just a shitbird. <laughs> um, but what's interesting about it is that if you pay attention, um, everything she says comes true. Yeah including the boy has to die and all this will end. Yeah. Mm. And the other thing is that the son does ask his dad to kill him if they 
if he thinks the monsters are going to get him. Yeah. So they set it up perfectly. And it's only if you're not paying attention, you're just kind of eye-rolling anytime well, a woman... E- even if you are paying attention, you don't expect him to, you know, like, off his fucking son. That is true. And that was directed by Frank Darabont, right? Yep. Yeah. Surprising yeah. that he did that. And that that's not how it ends in the novel, though, right? Or no, it um, in, act- in the actual story, it ends... Um, I think it's a novella. Yeah. It's part of a collection, but it ends with... There, he's like writing in a notebook about what's happening, and it ends with them deciding to go into the mist. Hmm. So you don't know anything that happens afterwards. I kind of like that ending. See, yeah. I, I do. I do like how it pays off. I like that you get to see like the Lovecraftian, like huge creature. Yeah, it's like that, you don't even know what the hell that is. Yeah, you don't even know how to process what it is. And then I do love that ending. Like I tried to show it to Katie, and somebody <laughs> ruined it for her beforehand. Yeah, and she's just I like, was so mad. Yeah, I was too. And then I, I ended up, I think, fast forwarding it up until the point that that happens, and then yeah. stopped it for her because I wanted her to see that giant Lovecraftian beast. Yeah. That was right at the end, right? The, yeah. yeah. It almost looks like an island with legs walking and yeah, and tentacles coming out from underneath it and yep. everything. It's so good. It's, I haven't seen that. So but, I saw oh, that in college. I need nope, to watch it it's again. going away. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're well past the point of everything being good. Yeah. And uh, those people who what, then he kick them out of the store or something like that, and they're on the back of that truck. Uh, no, the, the like, only one is I the forgot. woman. The only one is the woman who left it right at the beginning because she needed to get to her children. Mm. Yeah. And nobody would go with her. She survived. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they did check. The wife is dead. You know, they they went everywhere they could to save the people they could. And then just kind of went, well, we're fucked. And I am convinced that if he didn't kill the boy, They'd... the military, the mist would not have yeah. gone away. You know? Yeah, I could run with that. But, yeah, that was just entirely unexpected. I, <laughs> I, I got the movie on Blu-ray and watched it and that. I was not expecting that. It was one of those bummer endings that a lot of people hated the movie for. Yeah, I remember. well, I I didn't devise. I could see it being a bummer. I don't process movies, I guess, the same way as other people with things like that. Just I I went into it watching or expecting monster movie, and kind of like the fog. I, I got <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's what is that stuff? Oh, you mean the fog? No, 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 no. You mean the mist? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> Very misty out. <laughs> I loved it. I I'm think I'm remembering it all now. Remember the mosquito things that like drove Oh yeah, those are awesome. And then the uh, black and white version of it is on Blu-ray, and that's yeah. that makes it so much better. It's amazing. It does. I, I mean, wow. the contrast is still off on it. It you can tell it wasn't. Yeah, it, but it gets rid of a lot of the cartooniness. It does. Of it. it does. Yeah. Yeah. I need to watch that again. Thanks for reminding yeah. me. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so Daryl, what's your? Or sorry, Skyler. Skyler. Yeah. I was looking at Skyler. All right. You guys look so much the same. <laughs> this one, this movie here, it popped in my head. Um, I watched it like 2 a.m. Not, I was not being able to sleep after I got out of school because of medical stuff. So I watched the whole thing. It's a kids' movie, and it's Bridge to Terabithia. Oh yeah. Um, I, I barely remember trailers for it, and what I remember the most, and I heard Kevin Smith talk about this. The trailers made it look like it was going to be like a Lord of the Rings fantasy movie with kids in it. Oh, really? Totally not that. Well, I, I had read the book um, yeah. whenever I was in elementary school. I was just like, the, the the end of that is just like, what the fuck are you doing to me? It's very good. Um, The guy who directed Rugrats, that Klasky Supo guy, who, man, I feel really bad. He filmed the movie. He did it in New Zealand. 
the kid, the main boy in the story in the movie, uh, it's that kid from the Hunger Games. That boy, Peter, the Tim. It's like one of his first oh, really? movies. He was um, in Josh Hutcherson. And um, Hutcherson. the girl is played by um, that little blonde-haired girl from the Willy Wonka movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, oh god, it, it, the characterization. He struggles with stuff at home, and then spoiler alert how the girl dies and he deals with the death of a friend and he's really So how young. does the girl die? Um, so, well, I guess you need to explain the concept of what Terabithia is. I have never seen this. Okay. Um, this boy who's kind of a loner, um, his family's kind of hard on him. He meets this new girl who I was, I was seeing, oh, he's going to have a girl, a, a crush on her. He has a crush on his teacher played by Zoe Deschanel. Deschanel. But this girl, um, they just develop a friendship out of, People hating them both, and they just said the girl is really creative and imaginative. Let's just come up with this whole entire world by ourselves, and they do, and it's in their huge backyard forest. Um, and you're seeing all these kind of CGI critters and monsters. Well, that's just kind of what they're imagining is going on. Their kids playing. Well, in in the in the book, there was a certain method of them getting to Terabithia. Oh, the bridge. Um. Well, from what I remember, there was a makeshift bridge, but it wasn't safe or something, so they would swing across that creek on a rope, and it breaks, and the girl falls and hits her head on the rocks, I think, right? Um, I think in the book, she actually breaks her neck. Breaks her neck, yeah. But, yeah, she's swinging across on the rope, the rope breaks, and she ends up being killed from that. Yeah. Nice. It. It, it it shocked me. I was sitting there like late at night, like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, I bought that movie the next weekend when I went to Dallas. I bought it. I have it. Nice. I I still haven't seen the movie, and it's I know I, I couldn't show it to Katie because it would just destroy her world. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. I that's a movie I did not expect to to get dark like that, but it dealt the the father of the boy. You know, he was really sad about it. It um. His dad actually came through for him at the end to console him during these times. That little boy's like, Dad, they're, they're, they're Christian, okay? And they took her to church with him. The boy's like, Dad, because the girl said we're, we're atheists, I think, her parents and him. And he's like, Dad, will she go to heaven? And the dad says, Son, I don't see how God could reject a girl as sweet as her and not let her into heaven. I mean, just him consoling his son and actually coming out of his kind of hard dad that was really nice, you know. Right. It's a good parenting. He's coming there for his son, you know. That that movie was really good. I recommend okay. people I'll, watch I'll, that. I'll check it out. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. As I said, I can't show it to Katie, but I can. I'll I'll catch it on my own time. Um, my number three is a, a movie called Only God Forgives. Um, nice. by Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, stars Ryan Gosling. Came out after Drive. Now. I don't I don't really know how to ca- characterize this movie because I'm a huge Nicholas Winding Refn fan. Um Bronson and Driver, two of my favorite movies. And it almost seemed at least from the trailers like we got too much of a good thing in that whenever you kind of look see the visual impact or the kind of how they um the art direction of Only God Forgives, it looks like Drive 2. Yeah. Hmm. But you go into the movie and you get this very cold, 
quiet movie that has more in common with the David Lynch film than it does with anything else. Yeah. Which David Lynch film? Because I thought you haven't seen a whole lot. I've seen a couple of them, oh. but Daryl would be able if if you could even narrow it down to a single one. Uh, narrow it. I I don't know. Well, does it have the whole dreamlike quality of a Lynchian it, kind it, of? Film? It does without it. Like you, you it would never go. Tr- it's a dream, but it is kind of well. The, well, there is like his visualization of the hallway. Yeah, yeah there there are those parts, but it's it is more like a long long dream sequence without it being dreamy. Yeah, there's it's, like at one point he's watching um a woman masturbate and um instead visualizes himself getting like him not being restrained by her anymore, standing up, walking down a dark hallway and seeing this black or this open door that has nothing but blackness through there and him walking through and putting out his arm to reach into it and then a guy who is the cop antagonist in this about to cut off his hands with a sword. And it's a recurring image. Um, And it ends up being like this really dark, depraved movie that I've actually had to watch a couple of times to start to actually enjoy. Um, Examples. His mother, or the, um, this guy's brother, which you kind of realize that they're peddling drugs through this uh, boxing ring. The, Ryan Gosling's brother, his opening thing is that he wants to fuck a 14-year-old girl. And when that doesn't immediately present itself, he beats the shit out of a uh, brothel owner and then finds, I think, a 16-year-old girl, Yeah, pays the mother to sleep with her and ends up killing her. Hmm. And then the police detective, which um, he was told by the director that he is God is then led into the room. They bring the father in and he tells the father to do what he wants to the guy. So he brutalizes the brother and kills him. And then the cop cuts off both of the guy's arms for not, not only for what he did to the guy, because he gave him the choice of what he wanted to do to the guy, but also for prostituting his daughters. That. It's pretty dark, and that, yeah. that's that's just the beginning of the movie. <laughs> the mother comes in, and she starts stirring stuff up by trying to make things right because Ryan Gosling won't because he realizes what happened with the what's it called again? Only God forgives. Um, and you get very quickly realize that Ryan Gosling is really fucked up because potentially, but it's all from body language. He has probably fucked his mother because she's very yeah. much like toying with his arms and touching him and ends up talking about how big a dick um, his brother had versus his. This is kind of reminding me strange. of Visitor Q. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, some, it's not that like, level, but, but I mean, there's no lactating. It, it's like, all, for the most part, pretty subtle. And then every once in a while, it's not subtle at all. Well, like, um, <laughs> at one point, his mother gets killed mm-hmm. and... He doesn't weep. He doesn't yell. Instead, he takes the sword that he's carrying and cuts her stomach open and puts his hand inside her because he wants to feel what it was like inside the womb. But wow. It, yeah, it's a very, very dark and weird movie. And every once in a while, God or the police detective will just be singing karaoke. 
did this make you respect Gosling even more for doing something like this? Um, honestly, it's the thing that surprised me the most is um, if you watch the trailer, and I'll show it to you after this, just to get yippee. You, well, I mean, none of this is really in the trailer, but mm. it's presented like, hey, this cop is fucking with his life, and at one point he approaches him and says, hey, you want to fight? And that's the end of the trailer. And it's like, okay, this is interesting. This is you know going to yeah. be vis- this. It's visually interesting movie. And the further you burrow into it, like the more you get out of it. But the first watching is just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Mm. Um, but when he gets into the fight with God or the police officer, he does not land a single blow. You expect Ryan Gosling to eventually triumph over him or whatever. Every yep. single thing he does is deflected and he just gets the shit beat out, beaten out of him. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can respect this movie from that point it, of view. It's a wonderful fight scene, especially because it's built up in the trailer. It, yeah, it, it is. It's a You're really like, all right, shit's going to get... Never mind. <laughs> Stop hitting him, please. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's As I said, it's a really interesting movie and there's a lot of uh, pathos that is goes into it, hmm. but it just ended up not being at all what I expected. And as I mentioned, just so much darker at the end of it, it says it's, um, um, dedicated to Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, to me, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that makes a bit more sense. But then I watched it with Daryl and I was like, okay, this is more, this has the Lynchian feel more than Jodorowsky. Yeah, it does. No one can do Jodorowsky like Jodorowsky. I think, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure someone could, but you know he's he's a unique individual. Well, thinking of the Holy Mountain and the amount of people who he had do that for him and all those scenes, yeah. I don't know. You might have to use Weta to do some stuff like that these days. You know, <laughs> get those guys. To... <laughs> well, just get everybody to trip balls. Yeah, yeah. we'll get them there. So I gave her drugs, and then we went and played. We just went with it. Hey. She was on drugs the whole time. I kind of feel bad about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's El Topo. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, true. So, Daryl, what is your number two? Uh, Number two, The Cable Guy. Oh, fuck that movie. (laughs) Fuck that movie so hard. I love that movie. I I, I honestly have not watched it recently, but I just remember hating that movie. It's an amazing movie. (laughs) (laughs) The only scene I liked was them... um, at medieval times fighting yes and it's wonderful just him screaming like this i think it was this, yeah come back so that i may brain thee yes that's the only scene i remember actually that's the only scene i actively remember liking and that part where he's chasing him down the hallway he's imagining yeah yeah no i i really love that movie when i saw it as a kid my mother took Took me to see it, like, I guess I'd seen the trailer for it or something, you know. My you're, parents did the same you're thing. You're like an eight or ten-year-old kid. You're like, yeah, Jim Carrey's cool. He was a pet detective in the mask. <laughs> Woo! And then he talks, number. He talks, talks with talks his, ass. his ass. Yay! <laughs> and then you go and watching this, and then at some point your mother looks at you and realizes that this is not what she thought it was. <laughs> But she's nice and lets you stay, and you keep watching it. And it's really not that dark of a movie, but no, it's not. But it's just complete. It's just one of those like you expect it to be traditionally funny, yeah. And it's just fucked up, yeah. Through the entire thing. Is that a Ben Stiller movie? Yes, it's Ben Stiller. It is. I think his directorial debut. Oh fuck, Ben Stiller. As far as the movies go, I think so. Or he made and, he, and, he's, and he's in it also. 
Yeah, he. I think he made. No, he. No, wait, no, no. He did reality bites before yeah. he did Cable Guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, he, I, I, it's the that, first movie I remember. I, I guess yeah. that can You're make working. sense why I'm so uncomfortable with the Cable Guy. I need to watch it again. Yeah. But like, meet the parents. Yeah. I was the one type of situation I do not like in movies is like that one where the audience is uncomfortable because they know what the character's doing. Yeah. And that's all that Meet the Parents was. Yeah. And it wasn't in, like anytime somebody's going to ask somebody out in a movie and is about to be turned down or be just horribly embarrassed, I literally will get up and do anything. It makes you uncomfortable. It does. I, awesome. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go make popcorn. I can't handle your rejection. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, I, um, which is funny because if I'm rejected... For my book, I'm just like, yeah, whatever the fuck. But with, I, I think it, the entirety of Cable Guy is him being rejected. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> but th- that was Meet the Parents. And what happened with Meet the Parents was I literally at the point where they're doing the volleyball scene. Yeah. And he hits the ball Spikes into her it. face. Yeah. I had to force myself to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just one of those. <laughs> and then I found the movie funny from that point on. Yeah. But it was just like the most forced. Like, okay, I have to laugh at something in here. <laughs> Okay, and then it yeah. like I haven't watched Meet the Parents ever since, but that knowing Ben Stiller involved and everything, okay, that, yeah, and and he's in it. He plays the, the the guy that killed his twin brother, and then they got like Eric Roberts, and Eric play. Roberts plays him. <laughs> it's it's it, it's so funny, and they're twins, so he plays both brothers. Like that plot line in a movie cracks me <laughs> up. So weird. Okay, the, that, that, I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. It, I, I do it, need it, to watch it again. And it is, and they and they just keep cutting to Ben Stiller's reaction on the stand at the trial. <laughs> And, and that runs throughout the entire movie, and it's it's so wonderful. And I have to point this out because I've never read it or heard it from anyone anywhere. Uh, like the movie's full of you know TV references throughout the whole thing. It's raised on TVs, and my favorite one is a reference from Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So in an episode of Welcome Back, Cotter, they get trapped in a uh, museum, I think, with the guy that played. Uh, uh, the dad from Adam's family. Okay. On the TV show, I can't remember his name. Anywho, uh, they get trapped in there with him, I believe, and they get they get locked in. And I forget which one did it, but one of the the kids says, "Oh, my uncle taught me this neat trick on how to get the door unlocked." And so he does this handstand thing where he taps and kicks the frame of the door with his feet while doing the handstand and that magically unlocks the door. Oh, of course. Anyways, yeah, he does that in the movie when he's trying to break into his apartment. (laughs) It's just a quick little bit, but that's totally just (laughs) so obscure and random, but fits the time period of him being a child growing up on that. Uh, I I watched it's just so weird. Welcome back, Cotter, and I do not remember that, but... Yeah. I I I loved that show. I need need to watch it again. Yeah. I don't know. That movie's amazing. I also like... Matthew Broderick. Um, oh yeah, he's kind of a nerdy Matthew Broderick. The way he talks, he's just <laughs> and he's kind of weaselly, and he tries to get away with a few things, and then just like, oh no, he's pursued by this Racco guy, <laughs> Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> and he, and he speaks with a list throughout the whole movie, right? Yes. He turned the kid illegal cable. <laughs> Are you trying to elicit free cable from? <laughs> Okay, I, 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 I'm gonna rent this movie. The movie tomorrow, is so, so funny, dude. Let me juice yeah. you up, man. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. We're not hyping it too much, I guess. No, I, I get this time you get. I next mean, time. I'm, I'm actively laughing at the stuff you're describing. Scramby eggs. <laughs> so I, I do need to watch it again. It's just I think I saw it in theaters and it just scarred me from that moment on. 
<laughs> so Skyler, I, uh, my 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 favorite quote from okay. that movie is, "I can be your best friend or your worst nightmare. You seem to prefer the latter." <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, my number two is um, Art School Confidential. It's Terry Zweig's film. Uh, I watched it during art school. Connected with it really well. Um, it kind of, I don't know. I don't. It wasn't like shark, shocking so much as how it turned dark. What shocked me is it was kind of a dark comedy. But what shocked me is that the kid. Um, okay, okay. It's about this kid who wants to be an artist. And he likes to draw and paint, and people kind of build him up. Like, you know, you're really good. You should go pursue this. So he does. He goes to art school. And kind of like how I was when I went to art school, you're like, this kind of sucks. And there's people who are really good at it, who have accomplished a lot, maybe at a young age. And you really feel let down when people critique you the first time. Like, they just shatter your dreams, your first bad critique. Like, he did, he drew, he painted something, and people were tearing it apart. And he always grew up thinking that his art was really good. And so he meets an older, more cynical student who's been through, and he's like, yeah, this guy's a, I can't remember if they said sophomore. He's a something grad. And he takes him to this old drunk guy's apartment who used to go to that school. And turns out this drunk guy in this apartment actually is a local serial killer, and he kills people and paints their dead bodies. And um, this kid... This who, is getting me all turned on. Yeah, this kid who meets him... <laughs> Oh, by the way, the old guy's played by um that British actor who was the father of what's his name in Hot Fuzz. I was gonna say you're helping me so much. I oh, God, I forgot his name. Which person from Hot Timothy Fuzz? Dalton? The old, the older, the oldest cop captain guy, the one oh, who okay. uh, I don't know. His the, name. What's his name's dad in Hot Fuzz? Anyway, that actor, that British guy. Man, I need to research these people. Um. He's a serial killer. This kid ends up hanging out with him a lot, and he gets drunk, and he's so depressed about art school, and this guy starts yelling at him. Anyway, the kid's smoking a cigarette, and I guess he passes out and drops a cigarette, then he leaves in the house. The apartment catches on fire, and a serial killer dies. But the guy, the kid comes in there and comes back. He's like, oh, crap, what did I do? And he sees all those paintings that the serial killer did of the people he murdered, so he takes them all. And he uses them to display for his art opening at the school, I think. And people are blown away by it. And then the cops are like, wait a minute, this looks like the painting. These look like those murder scenes that we found. The dark, the part that made me think it was really dark is how the kid ends up actually becoming a murderer without knowing it when he killed that real murderer on accident. And he ends up going to jail for it. And they're like, you know, you're so, your paintings are selling really really good you know keep making this stuff he's like making a whole lot of money now out of prison for <laughs> for nice. what he did i don't know it, it's not that dark i could have replaced it with something better but oh no i thought it was good. pretty dark when i saw I mean, it that, that's a pretty dark premise there <laughs> yeah um, anyway that's yeah. my number two so my number two is going to pale a little bit because of comments daryl made earlier in the podcast oh, sorry oh, that's all good um honestly it's the dark knight okay um Going into that movie, there was no fucking way of knowing Heath Ledger's Joker and how dark that was going to get. Like, mm-hmm. um, he put a light inside me. Yeah. And, you know, the just how cynical the Joker was. Um, it, it's reported that um, him cla- doing the slow clap yeah. was improvised. 
and just everything in there, just even the way Hans Zimmer score with just the one note getting higher yeah. and higher. Yeah. That tension, man. Yeah. Tension. It, I just cannot imagine, you know, there's no way that Jared Leto can follow that up. He's going to have to go for like Arkham Asylum Joker. Yeah. More crazy, comical, loud. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the at what they've kind of done with his face, they've trimmed his eyebrows. I'm not sure if they're actually going to color them, but yeah. they're they've been bleached at least. Yeah, he's got the short haircut. It looks like they're going for like the like 90s, maybe an, even animated series Joker. Oh, they're not going to do the Joker's skin face ripped off, put back on him kind of Joker they have going and, on. Right now. We don't. We honestly don't know. I can oh. show you a couple pictures of what he the what he's tweeted out and everything, mm. but they haven't shown his face yet. They've just kind of shown, hey, he's got the right color hair. He's done this. I honestly would like it to be in game, um, kind of, kind of like the um, haircut that Ryan Reynolds has right now for Deadpool, mm. where it's shaved on the sides and you know, back. That's what I would like, but it doesn't look like they're necessarily going for that. Was Heath Ledger's Chelsea grin was that his <clears throat> idea for the Joker? Did. Um, was that is that from the comics? I don't know. There is a comic. I actually have it upstairs um, called Joker where they have the Chelsea smile and it's all scar tissue hmm. on there. But um, I'm not sure about that. I know. Yeah. They based it off of the uh, paintings of, uh, Oh, what's his face? Uh, I don't know. I, I do know that like a lot of his mannerisms came from Tom Waits, hmm. you know, and Oh, how he's kind of, uh, yeah. yeah and, you know, and I absolutely love the looking of the lips and, yeah, you know all that, all that little stuff that he does. It's it's so nice. Then he like confided himself in solitude for like a month. Yeah, and um, kind of went crazy, maybe a little bit. Yeah, while. I mean it, that's kind of he ended up ta- starting um, doing taking prescription sleep aids because he couldn't sleep anymore after that. Yeah. And it the the rumor is is that it ultimately led to him, you know, um, abusing the drugs that ended up killing him. Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon. Okay. Are the, based oh, yeah, off yeah, of the yeah. Paintings of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which uh, they recreate in The Dark Knight when he does the handheld camera when he's nice. torturing the one, the fake Batman. And right. he's got the cuts of beef I mean, alongside him. Oh, yeah. Which is funny because that goes back to the uh, 89 Batman movie. Nice. Uh, when they're in the art museum and, and he's, they're messing up all the yeah, paintings. The one that he does not mess up is the Scream one. Uh, right. And he's like, no. I like this one. That's the Francis Bacon painting. Nice. So, so I nice. mean, I, I absolutely love that film. Yeah. Honestly, it's the only Nolan Batman film that matters. Yeah. To me, it is now, too. Michael Keaton's is a nostalgic feel from a childhood perspective. But The Dark Knight, it's not even a comic book movie to me. It's just a really good movie. Just, I could watch it right now. And have no qualms about it. Watching Batman Begins, it, yeah. if you watch Batman Begins now, it feels like um, Batman Returns, like that level of comical. <laughs> um, like there are so many one-liners yeah. and just weird, awkward things in there. Batman Returns is so much better than that. <laughs> I, I recently watched Batman Returns, or I watched it. I think before it might have been before the Dark Knight came out. I was trying to like. You don't understand how dark these fucking movies were, and then, but <laughs> I mean, if you watch it now, it's just comical. 
But if yeah. you think it's kind of like um, the Grim Fairy Tales, yeah, you read Hansel and Gretel, and you go, "Okay, this all makes sense," and then you stop and think about it, and they're using dead children. Hansel is using dead children's fingers to trick the witch into feeding him more because she thinks that he's uh, skin and bones, yeah, and to frustrate her and prolong him being in there. But you don't get that just reading through. You're just like, yeah, this is all good. That's kind of how Bat or Batman Returns is, is because hey, it starts with parents fucking dumping their kid into the sewers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, infanticide <laughs> to start the movie with. It's always a good opener. That yeah. movie kind of tripped me out. I remember when I saw it the first time as right. a kid. But now you watch it and you go, this is just camp. This is this is you know. It feels now like 66 Batman must have felt to them when it first came out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how um, Batman Begins feels to me. And as Daryl has mentioned several times, you can't have a trilogy when the second movie is completely ignored. Yeah. So for me, I'm ignoring Batman Begins and Dark Knight Return- or Rises. Yeah. Because they are, not, they are not part of that same timeline. No. Dark Knight, um, it was kind of an event going to see it. I remember the buildup. And everyone, the Heath Ledger had already died. Yeah, he had. And we went in, and I saw Batman Begins, and I was like, all right, I'll go watch this. And blown away by it. I did not, just the way it started off, that shot of Chicago, and just zooming in, I didn't expect it to, I thought it was just going to be a Michael Bay explosion or something at the beginning. And that felt like, wow, this is awesome, compared to when I saw The Dark Knight Rises, and that. Colorado shooting had happened and we walked in to watch it and it felt kind of creepy. Well, um, I, I <laughs> mentioned this. I set a tone. That... Well, I, I mentioned this, I think, last podcast mm-hmm. that for me, there's the scene where the Joker is laid out on the like pool table in a body bag and you just see a shot of Heath Ledger there, you know, the Joker dead, mm. which for me instantly was like, did they really need to include that shot? Because it just, it like brought me down like, oh yeah, he's dead. And then, you know, the story progresses and you're like, okay, cool. Um, my Actually, my only complaint with The Dark Knight, and I know Daryl said that it did not hit, come to mind for him at all, but my only complaint with it is because they went PG-13, that Joker scene right after where he, um, yeah, where he, you know, tells him the Scar story just fell flat because you just see him pull it real quick and, and the body just, falls and, just drops to and there's there's nothing in between there and the way nathan read it was that he was going to pull the um pull the knife out of his cheek and then slash his throat in one movement mm. but i never got that second movement there i know katie i saw it i think four times in theaters for the first three times katie and i saw it in theaters she closed her eyes every single time during the pencil trick Oh God, that was awesome! The first time oh, I saw it, expected. I, I loved it. It was amazing. But she closed her eyes, and so for her, she heard the head smack. She imagined it actually going into the guy's eye. Yeah. And then the fourth time we saw it in theater, she finally watched the pencil trick, and she's like, "Oh, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought." <laughs> when I, I like, saw it, I was like, so "That's Joker doing some jokery stuff right there," and that was awesome. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. There's a scene in the movie <laughs> that. No, uh, it's, it's magic. There's one scene right after that when he leaves that kitchen and it's he's creeping into the shadows going backwards. And he has he, the grenades and everything. But his, you see his face. Man, it just looks really creepy, him kind of disappearing. And 
you want to nitpick for one small minor complaint. My only minor complaint is at the very end, the last scene of Joker, you know, he's tied up, he's swinging, mm. and you never see him again or really hear anything. And I was like, well, is there no more Heath Ledger footage? To me, it's almost like, this is all we have left of Heath Ledger skipping that Terry Gilliam movie. But I mean, of this, and that was it. I was like, well, they couldn't have shown him, you know, handcuffed and bar closing. But that might have been too cliche, I guess. I well, don't know. Well, I mean, I honestly, and I, I do honestly believe this, that if Heath Ledger hadn't have died, we would have got Two-Face again, and we would have got Heath Ledger. Yeah, and I, I'm really curious what his plan was for that movie. Because I, I know after that, you know, they just said, no, Two-Face is dead. Yeah. It's like, it's a two-story fall. Yeah, yeah, there's no yeah. Way, there's no way he's knocked unconscious. Yeah. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way he's actually dead. And same thing with the Joker. Like, yeah. one thing I had heard, um, you know, who who the fuck knows, but they had a scene in The Dark Knight Rises, which was supposed to be um, the um, where Scarecrow was being yeah. the jury. That was supposed to be the Joker. Yeah. And another thing was um, mm. being in the prison and then letting everybody out, but leaving the Joker cell on or locked, <laughs> yeah. and just hearing him if, laugh. If you've never listened to it, uh, you should check out Mark Hamill reading Bane's speech at the prison. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. so good. Yeah, he's re- Mark Hamill reads it as the Joker. It, really? From, yeah, because yeah, well, well, Mark Hamill was yeah. the Joker for the animated yeah. series. It, it, nice. It's wonderful, and, and it's just the speech, but he adds that little Joker flair to it, and it's. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I got a question. Are those Batman PS3 games, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City? Are those good games? Yes, they're pretty good. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and for the first two, it is almost the entire animated series cast back. Nice. Yeah. Um, whenever they did Origins, they got Troy Baker, who had done Bioshock and, and um, Last of Us, and Reedy did the voice in Silent Hill two for James Thunderfield. Yeah, that asshole. So there's. Yeah. Three Batman games. On there, there, and there's about to be a fourth one called yeah. Arkham Knight. Yeah. Okay. But um, Mark Hamill retired the role after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they're great. Totally, totally worth even because um, what's who, who's the actor who does Batman? I've been uh, Kevin to, Conroy. Kevin Conroy as having him bat. Yeah. You know, in you know the modern buffed up version versus like the super lanky and in the second one diseased Joker. Like it's the second one is an open world, whereas the first one is more. It's actually very Metroidvania because you have yeah. to. Yeah. The first one's really good. The second one's really good, and then the third one's just kind of meh. It's yeah. well, more the, of the second one. The, <laughs> that sounds like the Uncharted one, two, and three. The second one's the best. Third one's <laughs> well. And the thing about the just last thing is the thing about the third one is that it's a prequel, so everybody's younger. Um, the one thing I can say that's really good is the Joker's design in the in Origins, yeah. Because it's him, um, like I have it, I actually have it in my display case over there, but it's him in like a long purple coat, um, in a three piece suit essentially. It just looks really really cool. It's kind of the look that I want them to go for for um, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, I might have to stop by Vintage Stock and check them out if they are affordable. I think they're like fifteen dollars, something like Do that. Do they have like ones with all the DLC already on? Is there DLC? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, there? yeah. There's um, there is the Game of the Year editions. I'll check them out. My, my friend swears by Batman. Those games, I'll check them out. I have to throw out my one complaint with the Dark Knight. Go for it. They're big, 
scene, their big set piece of the hospital exploding. Yeah. And half the building doesn't have fucking windows in it when it explodes. <laughs> like, like it, it looks like a parking garage on half the building. Why does nobody? Why is nobody bothered by that? <laughs> I, I had never thought they about. Couldn't, it. They couldn't put CG windows in for that part. Yeah, before the building explodes, half the windows are already gone. Like, not even <laughs> like they've been blown out. They're just not. Why did you have to tell me that now? Every time I watch it, it ruined it for me the first time I saw it. Um, there, there are a couple of fan edits of The Dark Knight, which I do want to watch. Which I think I have one of them that yeah. actually doesn't show the Joker. Um, up hmm. until a certain point to make him more mysterious. Nice. Yeah. And then there's another one that, that tells cool. it memento style. So you you kind of... That does not sound Well, cool. I'm not sure if it is actually memento, but the idea of it is is that you kind of get to see the rise and fall of Harvey Dent concurrently, uh, okay. that sort of thing. Um, but I don't think I've been able to download that one. But there are a few of them of it, but it's one of those movies that I would call near perfect, mi- minus a few quibbles. So, Daryl, what is your number two? Or number, uh, number one. one. What is your fucking number this one? This one's a difficult one because I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters, and that okay. was 2007. Okay. And my pick is Atonement. Ooh. Yeah. I have one, that, that movie. One, that one does fuck with you a bit. That's a good one. That movie's mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really loved that movie. I do not want to watch it again. Yeah, uh, that's one of those that after we finished it, Kay was like, "Yeah, we're not owning this." <laughs> Atonement, the Keira Knightley one, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can watch it a lot because I'm a huge World War II era yeah. fan. Well, and I absolutely love that director. He's yeah. one of my favorite directors. He's the one doing the new Pan movie. Oh, cool. And um, one of my favorite movies is Hannah. Like, yeah. just from a artistic standpoint, like yeah, Hannah was really good. Um, he also did Anna Karenina. Yep. Um, which was interesting. Um, have you seen it? Uh, no, I have not. What they basically, how they framed it, like it almost feels like you're watching a stage play, just yeah. with the depth of field. Yeah, like it, it almost feels like you're looking at sets, yeah. but in a good way. Not like everything's lush and everything, but it does almost look like you're looking into a diorama. I yep. guess that's the best way to I put gotcha. it. That's cool. But yeah, that that movie's me. You like the ending? I mean, is that the part uh, no, that no, got I, you? No, I really liked it, but yeah, the ending's just so fucking not cool. The whole, it's like, uh, oh, well, yeah. The, 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 the problem with it is is that it is it is a period piece up until a certain moment, and then they just hard cut to, Vanessa this is Red the, yeah, and the, yeah, this is an interview. Okay, so basically the idea of atonement yeah. is, um, she's a Toning for her sin. Well, well, no, well. We the the intro, the actual majority of the story for Atonement, and why I'm kind of pissed at the ending, <laughs> is that it is a period piece. Um, James McAvoy and Kira Knightley are young lovers, and um, the one time they decide to consummate their relationship, Kira Knightley's younger sister, who's in love with him, who's in love with James McAvoy, walks in on them having sex. Sayers. Roman, yeah, Sorcy, Sorcy, yeah. Um, she walks in on them having sex, and then completely fabricates fabricates a tale that um, I can't even remember what exactly it was. What What's the girl that you guys mentioned earlier who was in um that movie? Um, anyway, Juno something. Juno Juno Temple. Temple. She's yeah. the girl in Atonement who um, Benedict Cumberbatch rapes, who comes back in 
and says that she was molested, I guess, and she blames it on James McAvoy. Okay. Yep. I think that's that same actress. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry. But in, anyway, so she blames a rape on James McAvoy, which ends up destroying their relationship. He gets sent off Talk to war. Kira Knightley becomes a nurse. Mm-hmm. And you get this great reconciliation between the two of them. Because yep. they don't get to see each other for like four years. Yeah, you get this great reconciliation. And then hard cut to mm-hmm. Vanessa Redgrave going, so the truth of truth about it is he actually they both actually died before they could ever see each other again so yeah. this book is my atonement he died of septicemia and she was drowned in a tunnel during the bombings yeah so and those um, were real that actually happened in real yeah. life those tunnels yeah um, yeah and so she, um they never got you know my lie fucked up their lives so me writing this novel was you know it's not really based in facts afterwards but it was kind of my this version is, of this is probably what should have happened yeah this is my version of bringing them together and uh this is you know my atonement fuck you you're a bad person <laughs> why do you play with my emotions yeah that part bothers me from a writer's perspective it does i don't I really mean, want to have to explain everything to you you know well i mean for me the only reason why it really i'm fine with the idea of it mm-hmm. the problem is is that it is a basically a hard cut to it yeah you have no indication of this at all through the entire fucking and then it's just this very static environment they're in it's obviously like a talk show yeah and it's there's nothing it's just like if i remember right like a black room and they're on like white sofas or something like they're on white it's it's through my wife off when i'm Made her watch it with me. She's like, "What?" Yeah, What's Katie and I on? saw it in theaters and just fuck. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite parts, like okay, the, there's it's just it, it kind of came out of nowhere too. Is um when the youngest sister um you know it shows how she has been a nurse um and it cuts to black and white real film footage of British sh- soldiers during yeah. World War Two and they start playing Debussy and before Twilight took that song and used it in their movie. But, um, and that, that kind of was weird. It came out of nowhere, that part. But my favorite shot in the whole movie is that all one long take of the scene where they're all, um, the British soldiers are trying yeah. to retreat from France after they invaded and it went bad for them. And man, that scene's amazing. It, it's, a, it's beautiful. Yeah, one I, I long take. Really everyone, well. yeah. It's amazing. But yeah, fuck that ending. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, fuck. So, what is your number one? <clears throat> um, Okay, I was born in 84. I think I saw this movie in 88. One time in theaters. It has like 12 sequels to it. It's The Land Before Time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Fuck um, that movie. Don Bluth, that anime. I wish he would make something else. I, I heard he might be doing something else. His animation is amazing. Land Before Time. Too bad he's just the fucker. Two Dogs Go to Heaven. All um, Dogs Go to Heaven. The Secret of Nim. Um, Which was also incredibly dark. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Why did I say Two Dogs Go I've seen that stupid show, Two Stupid Dogs. <laughs> All right, Land Before Time. Um, My mom took me to see it, and my grandma went too, and it was dinosaurs. I loved dinosaurs. First, what hit me when I watched it, I was like, this animation doesn't look like Disney animation. It looks more grittier, more harder edged. 
in the golly there's so much about that movie now i'll get into it real quick um okay little foot the the little brachiosaurus dinosaur baby his mom dies by mm-hmm. sharp tooth through mess that was a big deal watching yeah. that as a kid okay and uh oh man amblin entertainment back then in the day that was um steven spielberg's old production thing I don't even know that's a, that's not even around anymore. I don't no, think it's, it's all DreamWorks when he, but he produced those movies and Littlefoot's mom dies and then the kid the dinosaurs are they're in peril throughout the whole freaking movie. That little small duckbill platypus looking dinosaur, Ducky, Ducky the actress. Um, yep. You smell me. The the little girl who Judith Barisi, little girl who did her was killed by her dad in real life as you do after <laughs> years of mental and physical abuse yeah he shot and killed her her mother and then shot himself man as you do so you know you, you know during the early to middle 90s emo bands came out of the midwest i think a lot of them might have seen the land before time <laughs> You know, there's on, something about. I've I've seen that movie probably two or three dozen times, and anytime I I I've not tried to watch it, but it's it's like PTSD for me. You know, it's just yeah. like like I see any frames, I'm like, no, I'm no, I'm not gonna watch this. Something is wrong with this movie. The animation it wasn't done Disney style. They didn't have a million people doing it, making it look super clean. A lot of people did it, but man, it, you, see, you watch Don Blue's first movie, Secret and Nim, man, it's amazing looking. Well, I mean, I and I, I and, love his stuff because he also did Rockadoodle, which I used <laughs> to own forever, and then it came out on Netflix, and I was like, I forgot about that movie. Yeah, it's so good. I think the last movie he did was like uh, Anastasia, Anastasia, um, Titan A. Oh, Titan, yeah, 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 but um, which is awesome. Anastasia is awesome. He did Space Ace, I think, Dragon's Lair, those he did. first FMV kind of point-and-click kind of game things, I guess. Yep. Yeah. I mean, um, his, I, I absolutely love his style, and I'll watch all the other stuff, but fuck Land of Time. Yeah. Yeah, so That's, in case you didn't know, Ducky died. Yeah, I did. And so did the little girl from All Dogs Go to Heaven. Cool. She was, oh, really? She did the voice of her, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was her last thing she did, too. Yeah. And that movie, I didn't I didn't see it in theaters. It's a that cult classic amongst depressing people. too. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, the the dog dies and you're like what? no, and then he comes back. The whole ticking clock part in the yeah. water and it thumps and you're like no, that's that's serious tension. I don't think kids can watch these kind of films today. The nostalgic um, critic talked about these movies. It's so oh, yeah. sad. Like well, I tried to um, um probably six <laughs> months ago before Graham was two. I tried to have him watch uh, Never Ending Story. I love that and, movie. Oh fuck you! And it um, I watched it so much. As I, I used to too, and it's the same as Land Before Time. Like there yeah. are deep emotional seated issues with me, and I tried watching it with him, and it got to the bog of sadness or whatever oh. it is. Yeah, and then the um, horse scene, and then the the horse. I wasn't actually in the room for it. Not I wasn't avoiding it. I just happened to walk out, and <laughs> apparently Graham turned to Katie and went, <laughs> "Why?" <laughs> Why? And he started to get emotionally like he started. It was fucking him up, and so we just said no, stop. I I I was actually the only one that really 
like sticks only seen that because i don't remember that at all trey's horse dying yeah yeah what i remember are the statues with the laser eyes yeah like that's the thing that fucks me up okay so i i don't know why i just like remember the sound effect from it just how like uh there's something about that i was so scared when he fought the wolf you know the the evil demon wolf thing but yeah, kids I don't remember shit from it. <laughs> kind of reminisce now. Think about kids' movies from back in the late '80s and early '90s, like that. Man, they're it's a trip, and they don't they're not like that anymore. No, they're not. Well, I mean, um, what was the one with um, Howie Mandel? Oh, Little, Little Monsters. Monsters? Yeah. yeah, that movie will fuck you up too. Like, especially once he goes into the monster world. Yeah, it's like yeah. This. this this guy, I, I can't even remember if it was a kid or like a 40-year-old man. I just remember him being in a business suit and the mm-hmm. camera. He's like, oh, hey, everything's cool. And the camera panning behind him. And he's like the back <laughs> half of his body is cut off. And you can see his brain and all his internal internal organs from behind. And it's just like, what is this movie? <laughs> That's my number one pick. Okay. Well, yeah. um, my number one doesn't fuck me up nearly as much as either of those <laughs> movies did but i think it's the themes of the movie that yeah. more fuck with me um it's a movie called the fall by tarsum singh have not yet watched it oh well if we have time next wednesday yeah watch him cool. we're watching dawn of the dead and the fall okay so the fall stars lee pace <clears throat> it's there's actually multiple reasons why it's a super dark movie. Now, it's from the same director who did The Cell. So, that's a pretty cool movie this. Yeah, and that one that yeah. one's pretty dark too. Um another Vincent D'Onofrio joint yeah. where he is amazing. <laughs> but um in The Fall, Lee Pace plays an a stuntman in like 1930s wherever, I think they're in Mexico and um he has was doing a stunt on a horse and ended up breaking his back and becoming paralyzed. The main character, however, is this little girl, little Spanish girl in here who goes to him and the guy start she keeps asking him to tell him a story and he, you know, they're kind of interacting. He's annoyed by her, but he begins telling her this story with a gunslinger and all these tropes. And as the story, you know, it's it's one of those where it's kind of campy but at the same time, really dark. Like at one point he talks about how the brothers were, or like these monks or something like that were, um, had been killed mm-hmm. and the visual, we're seeing the visuals of this story play out and they are skinned alive and formed into a chandelier that is spinning above this. Tasteful. Yeah. And, um, but um, Tarsum filmed it in over 40 countries, I believe, in yeah. real life locations. And it has, like, everything is practical effects, no CG. Um, and they do great transitions with, like, an evil priest's face. And then it becomes the sand dunes that they're walking through at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really fucking dark about this movie is that Lee Pace is telling this story in order to get the girl to get him morphine so he can overdose and kill himself. (laughs) Nice. And and in the process of doing this, she ends up falling and busting her head opening and having to have brain surgery. Oh, delicious. (laughs) It is a supremely fucked movie. The worst part, however, and this will 
pro- might color your um, this one scene for you is that there's a point where Lee Pace has to yell at the girl to leave him alone. Yeah. Little girl did not know that that scene was going to happen, and yeah. he yelled at her so much and scared her that she pissed herself. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's one of those that it's an, an amazing movie. It's beautiful. It's dark as fuck. Yeah. And then to find out that he actually had to scare this little girl in real life without telling her what nobody told her what was happening. She was just a little girl who happened to be in the area. Yeah. Like, fuck Tarsum. Right in his fucking face. <laughs> so that's that's the fall. <laughs> totally worth watching. But damn, it, it's just a super dark movie that doesn't really... It looks really colorful. It's, it's really colorful. It's really interesting. It makes Tarsum one of my favorite directors. Um, and he went in not knowing it was going to be like that. Well, kind of, yeah. right? I mean, you see the cell. You know the cell is has such fucked imagery, but it's, hey, you're in a serial killer's mind, and you think the fall is just going to be, hey, this guy is telling this girl this story, and then, oh my God, like <laughs> where, you know, after that he did the immortals, which has more fucked up imagery. Like, um, oh, who was the, I can't even remember the actor's name from the wrestler. Uh, Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Mickey Rourke playing a warlord who is roasting people alive inside of a bull. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, there's just like Warlord. a, yeah, wow. super dark imagery. And then. Honestly, or he ended up making the movie Mirror Mirror, which was the live action Snow White. Oh, I saw that. It wasn't bad. It wasn't. It uh, honestly, I kind of expected him to. Have, I would have more of expected him to have Snow White and the Huntsman, and then the other person have Mirror Mirror. Um, hmm. But what if you go into Mirror Mirror thinking that they are trying to make a live action Disney movie? It works perfectly. Like, you can see exactly where they were going with it. You can see all the stuff. It's got his his visual flair to it. But considering all the other dark, fucked up stuff he's made, yeah, I kind of expected something different from him. You know, the big difference between that and The Huntsman is that in Mirror Mirror, they actually had real um, short people in it. Yeah. Compared to the other one, which were people CG, <laughs> CG'd yeah. into looking um, like... The one other thing I can say I know Tarsum has done, I know he did music videos for a long time. Mm-hmm. He is the guy behind um, REM's, um, whatever, it's me in the corner, me in the spotlight, um, Losing My Religion. That's yeah. it. He was mm-hmm. the one who did the Losing My Religion video, wow. which had an impact on me as a kid because it's a weird fucking video. Yeah. That's so, a good album to document, right? You know what it's called, the REM album? I think it's called Document. Uh, I the no world. Idea. This is the end of the world song is on there. This is the end of the world. That's like a cult college indie album. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so we did have a few submissions. Sweet. Um, Eric Rodriguez, um, his number two was Grave of the Fireflies. Oh. oh. <laughs> I mean, it's can, Studio Ghibli. You, you can almost only watch that movie one time and never watch it again, you know? I have honestly have not seen it. Neither have I. My wife actually, I got her into all the Studio Ghibli movies, and that's the one I haven't had her watch yet. 
And <laughs> Do I you keep... know what it's about? No. Oh, man. If I taught history class in World War II history, I would make my class watch that movie. So the idea of it, if I'm right, as I said, I haven't seen it, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's about two kids who have lost their parents after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. Okay. Well, actually, the dad um, was in the Imperial Navy, and I think he died somewhere in battle. Okay. And their mom burns alive because the Americans would drop um, cans of oil on fire and, you know. Right. Paper houses, so the mom dies, burns alive. Okay. It, it yeah. was before the end. They were just totally bombarding Japan by then, so yeah. it was probably near the end of the war. Okay. But it's them trying to survive and yeah. okay. all that stuff. So very, very dark and depressing. I have Sounds not like seen a, it. Oh. And especially it, it, now, if you're like, oh, Spirited Away and mm, yeah. uh, Howl's Moving Castle, light, whimsical, fun. Mm. I mean, if you watch Princess Mononoke, that has some of that darkness in there, too. Yeah. But to go from Howl's Moving Castle to Grave of the Fireflies, fuck. When it came out, it was a double bill. Um, it, that's an Isao Takahata movie. The all, the other movie was the Miyazaki movie, My Neighbor Totoro. They both played back to back at the same fuck. time when it came out in Japan. No, no kidding. How do you do that? I don't know. Um, it's based off a novel, right? And um, well, I it, mean, it's, I it's, guess the big question is which one went first? Because <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah, spoiler cast, but I don't want to spoil that movie. Yeah. If people want to watch it. Okay. So, um, and his number one was Old Boy, the Korean version. Nice. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, I can actually see that with the ending. Yeah. What the, you know, what the ultimate reveal of that is being a lot darker. Yeah. Like, my wife got it before it was over. She's like, I bet that's such and such. Well, I mean, they went even further in the American version to obfuscate it. Yeah. But... I haven't seen that. Is that worth watching? It it would be worth watching if... uh, What's the bad guy in that one? What's his name? Um, Charlton Copley. Charlton Copley. Uh, If he would have licked his tears off of his face (laughs) as he was crying, that would have sold the movie for me. I mean, the problem with it is is it's a bit too slavish to the original. And, like, in the original... He eats the oct- live octopus. In this one, they show a live octopus in a tank. That's it. Yeah. Like, but Spike Lee does not add anything to it. No. Um. Now, yeah. um. Now, my thing was is when I originally heard it, I thought it was a Spike Jones joint, and I was <laughs> super fucking excited. <laughs> nope, Spike Lee. Yeah, and then watch it go. Oh, it's Spike Lee. Fuck. Yeah. I I I watched a. Dissection of that whole scene where he eats the octopus in that movie, and he wanted to feel something alive because he was dead his whole yeah. life. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, um, old boy, good choice. Yeah, it's it's a good one. As I said, do you? I watched the new one. It 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 takes everything interesting out of the movie. Yeah, it, it changes. It even changes stuff to like I believe in the original. Like you see like half of a day in his life if uh-huh. even that yeah like maybe that night and in the um in the new one he actively like you see like a f- a complete day and how much of a shit he is to every single person and um it it just expands in all the wrong areas and then 
like the hammer fight is just an edited yeah it's an edited together piece of shit so who knows um katie tratner heard who's that yeah i I don't know it's some woman (laughs) she's she lives with me Oh yeah, might be the mother of my two children. I'm not quite sure about that. Nice. Yeah, she uh, said uh, "Secret of Nim." Nice. Which I haven't seen in forever, so I don't remember much about it. Um, Coraline. Nice. Nice. Which that one's definitely fucking dark, especially when the other mother <laughs> becomes Spider Woman. Yeah. I mean, even just the idea of have you seen it? Oh no, no, I've, okay. I've seen it. I just yeah. well, I th- just uh, for me, just the idea. Of them taking their eyes out and putting buttons Button. there is just. Uh, See, I, I didn't find that creepy. I guess that's a good, but but it's um, it's it's like a fairy tale sort of thing. Yeah, that's like, a good example of a recent kids movie that's pretty dark. I guess. Yeah, I mean anything Henry Selleck does. The um, only complaint is it's kind of catering to the hot topic Tim yes, Burton fan club kind of thing. Well, I mean that's and that's Henry Selleck style. Yeah. It has been since Nightmare on Elm or Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Fuck my life. I'm really, I always do that. Um, but she did mention box trolls, but I was like, is that really darker than you expected? She's like, not really. It wasn't very good. Okay. Um, and her and number one. nominated wa- for an Academy Award. Yeah, so did The Tourist. And it got it beat the Lego movie for animated, I mean, just nomination-wise. Sorry. It's all good. Um, her number one was The Little Mermaid. That movie actually was kind of dark. Well, I didn't I mean, like you, it when I first saw well, it. Well, you think of Ursula. I, I don't know. Katie didn't tell me exactly what was yeah. so dark to her about it, but I think for me it was Ursula and having all the shriveled up souls. Yeah, yeah. that part. You know? Okay. And I guess also the fact that, hey, they had to break the mast of the ship and ram it into Ursula to kill her. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> had it coming. <laughs> well, it's it's a little bit different than all the other Disney villains that fall to their death. True. <laughs> Which can be quite fucked as well. Um, <laughs> falls to their death. Yeah, true story. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, even in Up, what's his face falls to his death. Like, okay, cool. Funny. <laughs> um. So Nathan Steinman, his uh, number three was being John Malkovich. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, love I that mean, movie. definitely not knowing what that movie is. <laughs> it, it, it that it does go into weird places. Um, <laughs> it, it gets a little dark at the end. Well, I well, I I, I st- my the only scene that really sticks out to me I haven't seen it in forever is the Malkovich 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 oh, Malkovich. Um, one thing piece of trivia I just picked up on is apparently the car that was driving past to go yeah. hey Malkovich and they throw a <laughs> beer can at him. Yeah, it was just a normal extra who happened to drive across the set and throw it at him. Yeah, and they, <laughs> and they loved. How much like Malkovich's frustrated yell <laughs> that they were like, we have to use that and um upgraded that guy to an actor and increased his pay. Yeah, because he talked. Yeah, yeah. So it, that was awesome. Nice. Um, I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's hey, minimum once you talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two for him was the Dark Crystal. Ooh, which, oh man, fucking Skeksis. Mm. Like I, I, yeah, I I tried to start to show that to Graham, and Katie was like, "No, you're not doing that." <laughs> so, um, uh, Henson, love those old ones like that. Oh yeah, and number one was Magnolia. Okay, Magnolia fan there. 
I actually really like Magnolia. I've told the story before that um, I watched the movie, liked it, told my mother to, hey, you should watch it. She goes, how bad's the language? Not bad. I don't really remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I seriously uh... did not remember any bad language in there. And then she was, I made her watch, or she ended up watching it. She's like, I had to fast forward through every Tom Cruise scene. <laughs> yeah. I remember liking that movie, too. It was a trip. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really do like it. I need to watch it again. I think I had it on VHS. It was two tapes. Yeah. That's what I have. I used to have it on DVD, but it looks like I don't have it anymore. But I um, didn't know that was a Paul Anderson. Paul Anderson, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I had saw Boogie Nights before that. Well, there was a, there's reportedly, or you know, one of the trivia pieces is that one of the um, somebody that they had reading the script threw it across the room and said the language in this is fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, good choice so, there, Nathan. So and David Ferguson submitted um, his number three was True Detective season one. Okay. Since season two has not come out yet, but it is about to. Um, I I still. Love that series. I really wish they had actually had the balls to follow the existential horror. Yes. I haven't seen a first season, but I saw a teaser of the second season. It looks interesting now. I just need a chance to watch it. Yeah, you definitely need to watch season one. It's the as I said, the biggest problem is is that they going into the last episode they have a full existential horror bent going for it. And they build it up and, and then they just kinda jerk off on the table and say, Hey, hey, do how do you like that? Not what you were expecting, was it? Uh, <laughs> but the second season, is it in the same kind of universe? Nope. Well, um, it's more like American Horror Story, yeah. where mm. they're writing, where it's in a different time period. It kind of looks like they're kind of going to do the same format, um, just with. Oh yeah. Well, it looked like that. Like, um, what's his face was being interviewed. Um, in Bruges, that actor. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Mm. Yeah, like it looked like Colin Farrell was being interviewed at one point, so it like, might be doing the. You mean what, Bullseye? Yeah, Bullseye. Bullseye was being um, interviewed. Alexander. So they they might be jumping back and forth between timelines like they did in True Detective. Cool. So that would make sense to me. Yeah. But who knows? We don't know what the format of the new show is going to be. Um, his number two was Watchmen. Um. The reason for him is that he had not read the graphic novel before, okay. so he had no idea that what the fuck was going to happen in there. I do have to say, I do like the movie and ending better than the comic book. Ending. I have the graphic well, novel. Well, Nathan I've might fight you it. over that, but... Yeah, I'm sure he will. What, was, what were you saying? I, I have the graphic novel bought in college. I didn't read it, but the whole, what's his name, beating up on that poor lady. Su- superheroes with flaws beating up on women oh, was yeah. domestic violence I hate, so that yeah. was pretty crazy watching that and... Well, I not mean, expecting it, that. Yeah, and the whole, you know, thing about the comedian raping her. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess who Silk Spectre's father is? Um, you know, all that stuff. The thing I really do like about it is that they did add to the story, you know, or to the movie, like before you're just kind of getting one-off images of the comedian's death, and instead they choose to show it to you, which is really cool. Um, I still want the fan edit where it speeds up the fight scenes, not super fast, but anytime they're slow mo, makes it so it's back to normal speed. Oh, yeah. that's a Zack Snyder thing, right? It is, yeah. but yeah. but it's one of those like whenever they're assaulting the prison, um, it's a great sequence. It's I I don't think it's filmed in one shot, but it has the feel like it. I, it might actually be a one shot, but um, every single time they do a punch. 
like they'll punch and freeze like they're po- you know they'll hit the person and then just stop or fall it through till they're in a pose yeah or she'll jump and just kick the guy and the... land in a and just sit there for a few seconds yeah. while the other guy is moving forward they're just hitting the comic book frames yeah yeah and it's just like i love the idea there but fucking speed it up so I, I just want to see what that would look like, if it would change the movie at all, if it would still be interesting in that way. You know, without reading the comic, I like Rorschach in that movie. That's my favorite character oh, yeah. in the well, whole and, thing. Yeah, and he's definitely the one in the comic that you... Yeah. Him and the comedian are the yeah. most dynamic people in there. Um, And then his number one was Skyfall. And it was for Javier Bardem's character. Okay. Oh, man. Like, I just... I. I absolutely loved that movie. It's one of my favorite, but him taking out the jaw piece yeah. was just like, fuck. I think that movie is so overrated, man. Uh, see, my my thing with it, and it's part of the reason why I didn't like um, Into Darkness, was um, that I was watching Skyfall and going, they took the right lessons from the Joker. Now, there are problems with it. There definitely are, like, him being in the subway, and he blows the thing just in time perfectly for the train to come down and try and kill him. Yeah, I got like, past that. That was but, just but, something stupid. But, but but what I'm saying is that there's yeah. there's stuff like that. I, like, I can let things like that go. Man. I'm glad you both can let things like that it's go. It's easy. What I'm t- but what I'm talking about is, like, he had to have such a specific plan for that to happen Yeah. that... That that was part of the problem, but what they did get right was he's not a villain that can be reasoned with. He's just there to see yeah. them burn. And that's what I like so much about it. That's what I like so much about The Dark Knight, and that's why Khan just being another normal villain when you're in this culture where, hey, you've now had two movies where the villain can't be reasoned with, and then you get one where they can be when it's supposed to be, you know, it's been framed as this big tentpole. Like, we're falling in that tradition just completely fell flat for me. You're well, really hung up on that Star Trek. I am. It, I, yeah. It's I, my greatest disappointment in the last five years. I would <laughs> make a big argument about Skyfall, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> if I ever get a chance to pick a topic, that's something else I'll talk about then. I have to make notes to argue with Nathan and you, <laughs> Justin. Well, I, you know, that, that that was that was Ferguson. So I don't know if Nathan actually likes Skyfall or not. Oh, that was Ferguson. My bad, David and Nathan. I got y'all mixed up there. How dare you? <sighs> <laughs> okay, so did you guys have any follow-ups or runner-ups? Um, the movie Happiness. I have not got to see that one. Is okay. that Greg Araki movie about stoners? No. Oh, 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 no, no, no. That's that. Um. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the yes. guy who did Welcome to the Dollhouse. Yes. Right? Okay, my bad. Todd Scons, Shalons. I don't. Schlong, I forgot his name. Sons. God. <laughs> Just keep free word associating. I'm sure this can lead <laughs> to great places. I'm a poet. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. If I didn't know, my friend had a copy of the movie, and uh, <laughs> hey, he's like, hey, have you seen Happiness? He's like, no. I was like, all right, it's really awesome. It's like, okay. So he kind of gave me this really awful, vague description about it that kind of went along with, you know, the title, which is not at all <laughs> that movie. Well, good, good. You, you should definitely check it out. I will not. Uh, Did you ever see the there. sequel follow-up? No, I've never seen that. Well, I, I haven't seen either that much, but it's, 
Is there that scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman is at that ballpark watching those kids? Yeah. People say that actually is kind of a funny scene, but it's disturbing at the same time. Yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> Salons. Yeah, Todd Salons. Yeah. And Welcome to the Dollhouse. I love that movie. Talk about kind of a depressing movie, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any runners up? Um, I'm surprised none of y'all mentioned it. I was going to say Death to Smoochie. That's a good one. Um, I, I, I do love that movie. I just don't really... I know it's a dark movie, but I was kind of... You know, there was so much hype built up around the fact that Robin Williams was going back to do serious, you know, not ne- you know dark stuff. Because that, that and One Hour Photo yeah. were, you know... the kind two around m- the same time, right? Yeah, they both came out like 2001 yeah. and was him returning to serious acting like and i absolutely love death to smoochie you know <laughs> it just for just for me that expectation was there for it to be a fucked up movie um just a few quick other ones an american tale another don blues film yep um heathers you know i watched that later awesome. in life and it became a cult classic for a reason yep um lord of the flies the remake we watched the black and white film and English class in high yeah. school, but the remake was really dark, especially when they kill Piggy and dropping the boulder on his poor head, you know, and then the kids <laughs> killing that other kid on the beach, and then the whole burning down the forest, and him, I never even saw the movie and knew about it, but I was like, imagine, I bet he's going to run up on the beach and see somebody, and there he sees a, what is it, a soldier or something, and then I was going to say Saving Private Ryan, because... When I had gone and see that as a kid, I had grown up seeing war movies, and none of them were like that graphic platoon, but didn't expect to see an onslaught of carnage in the first 20 minutes of a movie like that. Right. I honestly don't think I've ever finished Saving Private Ryan. What's wrong with you? I I, I am just a broken individual. It's it's cliche in all of the wrong places, soldier-wise, the guy from Brooklyn, all that stuff, but, man, that um, opening scene is film cinematic history man well and i think it's just been replicated too much in other movies like enemy at the gates mm-hmm. none of them do it the same way okay it, it, it's it's its own thing man okay. oh and um the nationwide makes safe happen football nfl super bowl commercial <laughs> you ever saw that nationwide it's a kid talking about all these things he's dreaming about doing he goes and i can fly and blah 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 if i wasn't dead nationwide is on your side <laughs> it was really uh, it was a bummer commercial on the super bowl awesome. and everyone i might have to include that just in the show description <laughs> nationwide make safe happen okay so um my only one is a movie i've talked about before called dead girl <clears throat> uh, yeah <laughs> this fucking movie like okay it, you see the poster you even see the actors in it. You kind of think it's going to be a normal zombie movie. It's called Dead Girl. It's got a dead girl on the front with like, you know, the whites of her eyes showing. Um, it stars Shiloh Fernandez, I believe, who he ended up being in Red Riding Hood with Amanda Seyfried. Mm. And the other guy, I don't remember his name, but he's kind of the annoying horror guy. He was in uh, Cabin Fever 2. Okay. Um, but he kind of played the, the basic idea of this movie is it's two guys 
in high school. They decided to skip school and go to this abandoned mental institution, drink beers, fuck up, you know, place, all that good stuff. And they find this door hidden behind a bunch of stuff, go inside, and there is a body of a woman in there, completely naked, all this, and then she starts moving. And Shiloh Fernandez is kind of the good guy, and he decides to leave. And then the other guy comes up to him and talks to him later and says that he's he strangled her to death, and then she started moving again. And then takes Shiloh in there and shoots her, and she keeps moving. So, as you might expect, they start using her as a sex tool. Mm. Oh, yeah. Kind of necrophilia. You're about to say that, and then of. and then bringing their friends in to fuck her one after another. Oh, the dead awful. girl. The dead girl. Yes. Who's strapped to the bed? Who's strapped to the bed and tries to bite them and all that good stuff. Um, which ultimately leads to at one point Shiloh Fernandez getting beat the shit out of, and leading a couple of jocks up there and they end up convincing them to fuck her while and one of them convinces the big jock guy to use her mouth things do not go well from there how did you not expect this movie to be dark I didn't know what it was going to be going into it and then I just it was just one of those movies that as I was watching it it was just like a train wreck that I just couldn't look away from, and I rewatched it for like my first topic on yeah. here, which was scenes of dread. Because I was like, I'm yeah. sure there's some scenes of dread in this movie. No, there's there actually <laughs> there is. At the very beginning, you see like an abandoned high school, yeah, and like some milk that is toppled over, yeah, and it's just spilling off the table. And for some reason, that is the most dread that there is in this fucking movie. What I do really like about the movie, though, is that the actor I can't remember his name. Um, who was in Cabin Fever. Um, at one point, he's about to kill, try and kill, or let the zombie bite the girl Shiloh Fernandez is in love with or whatever. And they've got a third friend who is basically just being a dick. And the um, antagonist is basically like, dude, shut the fuck up. Let me deal with this. And he, he's actually very level-headed for... A sycophant. Like, he does a really good job at giving the argument, but this other guy fucks everything up and just things spiral horribly out of control. It's a very dark, fucked up, like, I still don't know how I actually feel about the movie. I know at one point he's fucking her and is trying to sweet talk her. I'm like, oh, look at me. You need to look at me. And then another another guy walks in and he starts fucking around and goes, Yeah, you take that bitch. Like, this is very dark. Alright, I've heard enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm done, but god That's damn. Awful. <laughs> wrong with you? It's on Hulu. You should check it out. Oh, I'm not subscribed to Hulu. <laughs> and that is why. There you go. Um, so Daryl. Oh, what is my topic? Yeah. Alright. Uh what are your three what are the three most frightening movies or films to you that are not horror or suspense? Well, fuck you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, 
Daryl, where can people find you? Oh, they can find me on the internet. I'm there, I promise. Totally. You can find me. I'm in a band. That band is called Xenothropic. You can find us on the internet. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Skylar, any place people can find you? Um, Eat dogs, all one word, lowercase, <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> the only social media I'll do is Instagram. Okay. Sweet. So um, before I get into my litany, um, I have started a Patreon um, the basic idea behind Patreon is that it is not a, um, unlike Kickstarter, it's not a big project or anything. It's just kind of a way of supporting your favorite artists. Um, kind of what I'm doing with mine is if you give $1 a month, you can get access to my daily writing. If you um, go up to 5 bucks a month, you know, you get different tiers and you get everything before that. If you go up to $50 a month, you get to suggest topics for the podcast and we'll record shows specifically on those. Um, but you also get signed copies of novels and free eBooks and, um, chances to read the different versions of the novels and give feedback on all that sort of stuff. So, um, if you could check out my Patreon page, it's patreon.com slash Justin D you can also find me at justindherd.net, justindherd.com, justinherd.com, on Twitter at justindherd, on Facebook at facebook.com slash realjustindherd. I'm also on Instagram as justindherd, Pinterest as justindherd, and on Tumblr at justindherd. How much do I have to contribute to slap you? <laughs> um, we'll, we'll negotiate that. Sweet. <laughs> so, um... Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can um, submit to us at dubiousconsumer on Twitter or subs at dubiousconsumer.net. Daryl, do you have a final thought for us? I do not. Cool. Fuck. (laughs) Feel me from the skin. Tell me from the rind. Does it? Make